is the Movie Hall of Fame for Thursday, December 19th, 2019. The Decade in Review edition commemorating the greatest cinema had to offer over the past 10 years in acting, directing, screenwriting, animation, action, what have you. Adam Hall joins me on the other line. How are you, sir? I'm okay. I'm back in the comfort of my own home recording here, which is probably better. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't want to be anywhere near you right now. <laughs> I mean, which is usually the case, but you know, the, the weather's actually a, a great thing when I think about it because it makes it so I can be as far away from you as humanly possible when it comes down to it. Yeah. Um, when we do these lists, uh, feud tends to break out. <laughs> this, you know, that's actually, ooh. Yeah, I think you're actually right. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen today. Um, We have a lot of movies to talk about, so I'm sure we're going to disagree from time to time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this might be good that we're in separate rooms and that New England has been covered with a sheet of ice. Yeah, it's 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 crappy out once again. This time, not so much snowing like crazy. It's just icy as hell and it's super dangerous. So yeah, I don't want to go outside. I got better things to do. I'm with you. you. I'm with you. You know? I would get yelled at by a bunch of people if I told them, yeah, I'm just going to record a podcast in this horrendous weather. (laughs) I'm going to drive a half hour out of my way. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Abby Abby would would drive to your house because she's not that far away and and, and kill me. Yeah. She'd probably rip me out of there. If the ice didn't do it first. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah. I I, I had to go to work, but I, I, I ended up taking a half day. And uh, it, yeah, dri- even driving home, it was it was quite miserable. But I'm happy I got back. Okay, winter in New England. Uh, mm-hmm. Why do we do this to ourselves? Okay, we could mo- we can move. There's yeah. also that. Yeah, we you know. could, but what would we do anywhere else? That's yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's part of the thing. You yeah. know, if you're not from the Northeast, if you're not a New Englander, uh-huh. I-, I don't think people realize how ingrained in your blood the New England mindset is. You know, like it's such a specific walk of life that lives over here. Can't you say that about most places, though? I mean, I guess it's this. What's like an a specific point in the country where no one cares and it's not no one cares to be that way? Well, I think like 90 percent of the geographic United States is the same. That would be my guess. (laughs) It's just open fields and yeah. And tractors. Towns with one stoplight in it. That's 90% that, of the country. But if you go anywhere else, it's like, yeah, California, that's a melting pot of people. Texas, sure. melting pot. Florida, a bunch of old people. There's not a lot of, like, specificity in outlook. That's you know? There, there, are, are, there are a diverse set of, of mindsets, I think. In New England, you're cold all the time. You're bitter <laughs> and you're angry. And you are more bitter and more angry than anywhere else in the nation. The way I always looked at it is that we're 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 nearby like everything quote unquote big and cultured and important sure. I guess but we feel cut off. Yes, in my opinion anyway. Yeah. It's a bubble, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Which is yeah. I don't know what would happen if I if I ventured outside of the bubble. I don't know. I imagine I mean, there's some good stuff outside but I don't you know like if I would Arizona? survive it. You like Arizona, right? Yeah, no, I like the warm weather, but like could I live in a desert? And could I get used to all these people being happy all the time? <laughs> you, you need know? misery. We, yeah. we all need miserable people. I mean, us. I need to be flipped off by at least five drivers on the road every day. Oh my God. I you can't know? believe that's still a thing. <laughs> Happens regularly. I couldn't imagine leaving and just everyone waving, saying please well, and thank you. 
it'd be it'd be really weird to to go somewhere and go for a ride and see people actually use their blinker yeah uh i think jerry seinfeld once said this about the east coast versus the west coast he can never leave new york because no one is funny outside of new york you know it's like if you're from new england there's something about the cold that i think enhances your suffering along with your sense of humor because it's Mm. like a coping mechanism if you go somewhere with warm weather and it's just like a bunch of people wearing crocs all day (laughs) so that's not a that's not an environment conducive to humor i get yeah you need pain yeah You you need some pain and suffering to make yourself funny which is very ironic but i think it's very true certainly all right. Um, anyway, that's New England, and that's where we live, and that's where we'll live for the rest of our lives. <laughs> yeah, that, that um, was our, our pitch for everyone. Come tour New England. It's a great place. Sunny Hartford. <laughs> Death Valley. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so we're talking about the best movies of the decade today, um, and we were gonna like just do a standard top 10 list, but everyone's doing top 10 lists, Yes, including me. Uh, if you go to the website today, tmt.media or too many thoughts media.com, if you like typing more letters, mm-hmm. you will find an article that I published yesterday called. You published it. Well, yeah, by the time people listen to this, they will have seen the, the, the article. All right. uh, and it's a top 100 list of my favorite movies of the decade with lots of summaries, reviews, tangents. I figured I'd like never write anymore, so why not write a 15,000 word blog? post that's fair if that's what you have to write about like fine i i was you you would tease me to 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 try to do it myself and i was like i can't honestly like 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 write about those things like i can't honestly write about these movies and rank them i couldn't tell you what i honestly think is like the top 10 movies of of the decade because even if like i go year by year and i pick like you know the best film from every year that doesn't necessarily mean that those are the top 10 films in my opinion yeah. So it's 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 too complicated for me to like it's not worth my my time and gray hairs and all that other good stuff. Well, it's you know? certainly not worth my time and gray hairs either, but I did it. Uh I tried luring you in, that is true. Uh and you and like, you somehow staved me off. No. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. Um I have many regrets about this list. And that's the other it thing. It is Yeah. It is thoroughly imperfect. There are a lot of contradictions. Um, I saw a lot of movies in the last 10 years because, uh, this decade represents basically half of our lives. Uh, when we began this decade, you and I, we were, what was it? 15 years old. And now we're almost 25. So, uh, you know, a lot can change in those years. (laughs) Those are 10 very formative years. Yeah. 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 I I mean, it's been shaped a lot. I mean, the first... 10 years and rather with the with the 2000s i was far more optimistic i certainly loved movies a lot more (laughs) and then i became very cynical this this decade yeah i still i don't well maybe i mean i've gotten more cynical in general i mean my outlook on life has changed a lot and certainly my outlook on art is going to change quite a bit um my favorite movie when i was 15 is no longer my favorite movie of all time Mm -hmm. um and also, the amount of movies I've seen has gone up quite substantially. Yeah, I now uh, talk about these movies for uh, a decent segment of my week every mm-hmm. single week, and it's recorded and it's put online. So mm-hmm. when you're that entrenched in like the Oscar season and uh, you know Rotten Tomato scores and mm-hmm. the new hot box office releases, 
you're going to think about movies differently than when you were 15 and just excited to see the new Batman. Exactly. And I always equate it to Star Wars at this point because the, my feelings towards Star Wars when I was younger versus the way, way, the way I feel about the franchise now is like the polar opposite. Sure. It's actually, it's very sad. And that's the thing is that when you, when you, uh, when, I don't know, when you saturate yourself in films too much, it can get very depressing. Like that Patton Oswald story, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I feel it, man. I feel it entirely. So I'm compiling this list. I had a lot of regrets. I'm not uh, certain that these are the 100 best movies of the year. I'm certain these are the 100 movies I liked the most. Okay. And I guess that's all I can say. And the order flipped around a lot. I mean, just last night, I made a trillion different changes. Movies got kicked out of my top 10, put back in the top 10. Uh, The movies towards the bottom are varied in quality, for sure. Um, But I had a lot of fun writing it. So please, if you do me a favor... Go check out that top 100 list and read as much of it as you can stomach, I guess. You put so much time and effort into it. Yeah. And and half a person reads it. Yeah. Do me a solid. <laughs> half a person. <laughs> um, good decade, bad decade. Since we're in the business of arbitrary takes. Mm, it's. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm fairly sure the 2000s were a good decade. Um, oh really yeah i am not confident quite yet that this was a great decade it seems like a lot of what what i don't know seems like a lot of what we cherish sort of started to die well franchise films have gotten bigger Mm -hmm. significantly bigger um streaming media has made a push in a big way the theater business is dying if not dead already uh And I guess I went into this exercise expecting to, you know, really find some stinkers. And believe me, there were stinkers. Oh, yeah. But I was surprised with how many good movies there were this decade. There's always good movies. Yeah. There's always good movies. I guess that's the takeaway. Even in the worst decades. Like, the 80s are not my jam in terms of cinema. Uh, Really, in terms of any art, music, television, what have you. Uh, but there are some great movies that came out in the 1980s. And uh, there were definitely 100 great movies that came out in the 2010s. And yeah, that's sure. refreshing. No, yeah, there are. Definitely. Definitely. I don't, I'm not sure if this decade has the same level of identity that the other decades I know of have. Yeah. Like, I don't know. The 70s, 80s, 90s, and even the 2000s to a certain extent seem to have a, a level of identity. Whereas like when I think of this decade, I it, it's sort of marred by its over-reliance on franchise films or non-original films. That's the only thing that comes to mind. I wonder if it's going to take a while to identify that, though. Yeah, that's true. This is like some it, of the stuff you need distance from, because history kind of writes itself 20 years later, not yeah. in real time. Yeah, I'm going to say this and completely take back my words like five years from now and realize, oh my God, yeah, that's what I, I think of all this other stuff when I think of this decade. Yeah. I don't know. I can't, I can't honestly say if it's been a good decade, because we're not even technically done with it yet. No, exactly right. We have a few more weeks and a few more movies that I'm sure we'll enjoy yeah. quite a bit. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I had fun with this. I did. I think I, I was compiling a, a bunch of lists, and they're all going to be on the website this week, um, including like the best music of the decade and the best television shows of the decade. Mm-hmm. And I expected that television list to be stacked, and I expected the movie list to be thin. And I guess the television list was slightly better, because Probably. a lot of great talent has moved to television. 
But I was surprised with how few television shows I really loved when all was said and done and how many movies I absolutely have fallen in love with and over the years have uh, changed my mind on. You know, there are a bunch of movies that we're going to talk about today that I saw them and kind of shrugged. And now, several years later, it's like, yes, among my favorite (laughs) movies ever made. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to say I was pleasantly surprised. I wouldn't call it a great decade. I don't think this is, uh, you know, the equivalent of the 1970s by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, there's always good movies. Movies are good, Adam. Yes, I know. I know. Turns out movies are good. I think. 2019 is a is a great uh representation of the decade of, on the whole. Yeah. In my opinion, just the way it the way it's turned out and the way it's shaped and the types of movies we got is sort of represents this decade quite well. A bunch of shitty franchise movies and then some awesome auteur picks. Mhm. Basically, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm fine with that. So, here's what we've done. We have compiled a list of categories, awards yes. if you will. <laughs> That uh, we're going to give out to a number of movies, actors, directors, screenplays, uh, as a way of just talking about everything. Yep. So That's- you have your picks and I have my picks and we're going to go down the list and uh, I'm sure some debates will ensue from there. Maybe. We'll see. This will be fun, though. Yeah, okay. I, I, I like I like where this is gone. Yeah, it's better yeah. to it's much better to do this than to do like 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 ranking every film, in my opinion. Yeah, enough rankings. I, I, I'm overloaded with rankings. Yeah, I know. It's too, too much. Too many lists. That's a bad culture right there, ranking culture. That's what I'm calling it. That's true. We yeah. say as we're getting ready for our end of year list next week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's also true. <laughs> I mean, part, part of the reason why I'm doing that is just to make you mad. So. Yeah, well, mission accomplished. All right, here we go. Uh, let's start with um, a category I had some trouble with. Best okay. comedy of the decade. Ooh, you want to start here? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I had a hard time because I was trying to stick uh, to the definition of comedy very loyally. All right. Um, I didn't pick a lot of dramedies, or I didn't pick any dramedies, I should say. Didn't even consider them. Movies like Lady Bird, the Noah yeah. Baumbach stuff, Francis Ha. That, to me, was sort of in a category of its own. Me I wanted too. to pick something mainstream uh broad in appeal perhaps it did well at the box office perhaps it stars some people that i don't care for all that much but i wanted to go like pure broad comedy with this one so let's see what we did here uh adam what was your choice for comedy of the decade oh no well you went very different than i did let me tell you that because i went like like because this was a tough one for me too because I didn't see a lot of good comedies this decade. If I'm being, yeah, me totally, neither. I'm being totally honest with you. Yeah. Uh, so I went with, okay, I, I'm, and this is going to be a, a, a constant theme throughout this, these lists. So really what it ends up boiling, boiling down to a lot of the time is just like, okay, what's my favorite comedy? What mm. just spoke the most to me? And what, what did I feel like could have only had come out in this decade? Okay. <laughs> and unfortunately, Nico, my pick for best comedy of the decade is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh no. Yep. <laughs> yep. We're starting here. Yeah, man. <laughs> it is the comedy film I rewatched the most. It's the one that st- has stayed consistently funny, unlike many that I've seen. And uh, it's the one that I pick up more f- great details on the more I watch it. It's its own like expressive piece that could only have come from that director and is very clearly a 2000s film. 
and it's just vibrant and energetic and fucking hilarious. And I love everything about that movie. It's very, yeah. very me. Well, it's definitely a 2010 movie. No mm-hmm. question. Um, Edgar Wright directs a guy that I, I would say had a pretty successful decade. Ant-Man yeah. drama aside. Uh, <laughs> Baby Driver, I absolutely adore. Um, at World's End. I'm sorry, The World's End. Uh, pretty good. Shaun of the Dead, I guess, was earlier on. Um, yeah, I can't stand this movie. I, I made my thoughts on that very clear. I find it too hipster. I find it too goth. I find it too punk. That is not my jam. I don't like the quirk. I don't like Mary Elizabeth Winstead in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, although most people adore her performance. Me Michael Sarah is like the classic millennial leading man. Um, and yep. You know, in that respect, you're certainly on to something. Uh, only in 2010 could an action movie star a guy so wimpy and pathetic. Yep. Uh, but I guess he works. That is our generation, right? No, I, I thought about it a lot because I was going back and forth and I had considered Lady Bird and I had considered This is the End and a couple movies like that. And I just sort of realized... Oh, this is like, the end is fun. Yeah, it is. It is. But I, I remember thinking like... I. I I don't I don't think Scott Pilgrim vs the World is a bad answer actually with everything that it is I think it works like if you were to consider what are the best comedies that had come out I was like you know what this does say a lot about this decade and you know it it fits nicely into what we go for here and it like I said for me personally it's just fucking hilarious I can't get enough of the movie I will grant you that pick okay uh, I will grant it to you thank I, you I just well, have to acknowledge it is not for me. Never, well, that's okay, but I never thought I'd hear you say that. I grant you that pick for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World <laughs> by Nico DiGregorio. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Okay. Right, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I had a really hard time with this one, so I picked a movie that I have not seen on many top 10 lists at all, or top 100 lists, top 500 lists, what have you. Could be one of the more underrated movies of the decade, and I almost put it in at that category, which we'll be talking about in a bit. Um, did you see Top 5? No. Top 5... Written, directed, and starring Chris Rock. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Movie from 2014 has just uh, an incredible supporting cast. Rosario Dawson, Gabriel Union, Kevin Hart, J.B. Smoove, Jerry Seinfeld pops up in there. Uh, It is uh, an absolute loaded bench. Yeah. This movie sort of came and went. It's Chris Rock channeling Woody Allen, essentially. Um, and I would classify it as the best Woody Allen movie of the decade because Woody Allen has not made a lot of great stuff over the last 10 years. I wish this movie got more play when it came out. I remember it coming out towards the end of the year. I think it was either a November or December release and there was some hope that it would get an Oscar campaign and it just didn't. It sort of just fizzled out, didn't do great at the box office. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because people didn't know what it was before they saw it and it was mismarketed as sort of this broad comedy um, aimed at, you know, the Medea audience. And it's I not see. that. Oh, that's you know? too bad. That's too bad. Uh, it's way more smart, way more well-written, uh, way sharper, way more well-acted. Um, I really like this movie a lot, and I would recommend that people see it. It's kind of weird that I am calling it the best comedy of the decade. Um, I had, I would never have anticipated this making the list. But when I went down, I'm like, yeah, train wreck with Amy Schumer, which I don't uh, find funny at all. I shut that movie off halfway through because I thought it was so bad. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, this is the end. Did come up. 
couple Coen yeah. Brothers comedies. I guess I could have classified under this category. Yeah. Top five, though, is the one that stuck out to me. It's my type of movie, and I do wish that Chris Rock got behind the camera some more. I want to see what this okay. guy has. Obviously, he's a brilliant comedic mind, one of the greatest stand-up comics of all time. Uh, okay. But just an awesome voice and a really good meandering right. New York City Woody Allen-esque movie. All right. Well, this is interesting. We have two answers that are very us. Yeah. <laughs> whether, or not, whether or not they are actually the best comedies of the decade is kind of insignificant. Yeah. yeah we, I always have to like stop myself and just be like, it's at the end of the day, it's just our picks. It's like, it, and that's, <laughs> that's, that's what it always is, right? It, I mean, <laughs> Forget it, Jake. It's a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. All right. Best documentary of the decade. Let's go there. What you have? I have no idea. I just said De Palma because I love it so much. Okay. Talked I, about I don't, it last week. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's the one that I, certainly the one that I've enjoyed the most that has come out in this decade. Um, one that I've gone back to multiple times. And again, one that I just, I, it's, it's a nice insightful look at uh, a, a filmmaker that I admire quite a bit, but also the, the process itself. And I find it, 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 it incredibly rewarding and interesting. And um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very much for me, but again, I, I haven't seen enough documentaries, so it's very hard for me to speak on this particular category. Uh, mine was very easy, actually, and I put yeah. this high on the list. Um, I almost put The Act of Killing here. I almost put Minding the Gap here, a movie from a few years ago. Um, actually, no, just last year. We talked about it on the the uh, end you of the did. year review list. Uh, my choice is Wiener. Oh, 2016, okay. following Anthony Wiener's failed mayoral campaign... Uh, this was after uh, a number of scandals rocked his personal life. Anthony Weiner was forced out of politics. Then all of a sudden he reemerges, tries to make a comeback, runs for mayor of New York City. And this campaign goes even worse than the last one. <laughs> and okay. there is a documentary crew in the room for every painstaking moment. Uh, I wrote about this again on the site. Um, there's a moment in the documentary and it's towards the end of the movie after Wiener has just been, uh, uh, you know, uh, taken to task in the tabloids for sexing underage girls and cursing at the press and doing, mm. you know, horrible, unsavory things to both himself and his wife. Uh, he's standing there after the primary. He got like 5% of the vote. And the documentarian behind the camera asks him, why did you let me film this? But it's not like, you know, it, it, you could tell the question wasn't prepared. It was yeah. something that he just thought of spur of the moment, <laughs> almost sighing to himself like, oh, no. Anthony, why the fuck, man? Why am I here right now? <laughs> On one hand, the documentarian, his name is Josh Craigman, got incredibly lucky with his access here. It's just this yeah. unbelievable Shakespearean tragedy. Uh, one of the great stories in the history of American politics, one of the great train wrecks in the history of American politics. But you just can't help but feel bad for being in the room. All right. You know, you can't help but feel bad for Anthony Weiner, who can't get out of his own way, whose every decision seems manufactured in a lab to make his life a living hell. Uh, one of the most incredible things I've ever seen put to film. If you're into politics, if you're just into the human condition, this movie will work for you but you're gonna need a shower after it 
Ah, one of those. I adore Wiener. Uh, absolutely one of my favorite documentaries of, of the last 10 years. My favorite I, documentary of the last 10 years. Oh, I know you adore Wiener, Nico. It's yeah. Okay. <laughs> the fact that his name is Anthony Wiener, man, is just <laughs> astounding. <laughs> Anthony Wiener's career taken down by dick pics. You can't make this shit up, man. <laughs> I, I've been meaning to see this one for a while. And not just through you, just through through the circles and, and and anyone who's passionate about documentaries tells me to look at this one a lot. And I don't know why I haven't seen it yet. I was surprised you didn't pick Amy. The Amy Winehouse doc. Aw. <laughs> yeah, why didn't I do that? Because <laughs> I was going through the list and I'm like, oh, Adam's definitely picking Amy. I love Amy. Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't do my research. Can I change oh. it to Amy? Sure, go for it. Fuck yeah, it's Amy. I love Amy. Amy's like one of my favorite movies. It's great. Okay, yeah, there we go. Amy definitely spoke to me. Uh, oddly, it actually spoke to me a little bit more than De Palma. I think. Yeah, yeah. great yeah. music documentary in a oh decade that has been filled with great music documentaries. If you want a, a great display of a train wreck, just a tragic, like deeply sad train wreck of a story. I mean, oh my god. It doesn't yeah. get much worse than that. I was just like in, in a horrible place after seeing that movie. But yeah, it's incredible. All right. Yeah, a real Amy. tragedy. There you go, Amy. Right. Uh, yeah, a lot of good music documentaries. Uh, 20 Feet from Stardom came out this year. Uh, Searching for Sugar Man. You seen that movie? Mm-mm. Oh, really good. It's about a guy that was like a failed folk singer whose music was sent to Indonesia. I think it's Indonesia. And he becomes like this cult sensation without even knowing it. What? Like he becomes one of the biggest recording artists in the world without knowing that he <laughs> made it. It's awesome. Wow. Okay. It, it's just one of those great, like stumbled into a phenomenal story documentaries. That's docs though, right? The yeah. best narrative docs are the ones where the filmmaker gets lucky. Yeah, it's very true. Very true. And we just discussed that with hoop dreams. Not so long ago. Yeah. So good year. Uh, good decade for documentaries. Certainly. Okay. Uh, best animated movie of the decade. I Your wonder, choice. I wonder how we'll line up with this one. I don't know. We will not. You don't think so? No. Okay. You want to go first? Uh, sure. Went, I'll go first. Said, sure. I went with Inside Out. Yeesh. <laughs> oh, there it is. Okay. A movie that I know you don't love, um, but I think by far and away the best Pixar movie of the decade. Um, so what smart. Toy, what about Toy Story 3? It's on the list. It's it made the top one hundred. No, not Inside Out. Okay. So smart, so inventive, so well performed. Phyllis Smith as Sadness is one of my favorite voiceover performances of the decade. She's so funny in this. Uh, okay. You also have Amy Poehler, Bill Hader, Lewis Black, Mindy Kaling. Takes place in a little girl's head. It's a bunch of emotions, uh, learning how to deal with life, and it's a great metaphor for growing up. Uh, I wrote about this as well on the site. You know, if you've spent any time with parents, you know how easy it is to just flip on Peppa Pig and zone the child out. You know what I mean? Like television and Netflix and some of these Disney movies like Frozen are just so good at shutting a child up. It's like having a mute button. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I just appreciate that in an era where child's programming tends to dull emotion. Inside Out embraces emotion. 
and it makes an argument for embracing sadness and embracing pain and embracing fear and anxiety uh, and joy. They all have to coexist in order to live a fulfilled life. Um, And I just think that's an incredible message for both children and adults. Uh, You know, fuck Frozen, man. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite detail about the movie is the ultimate message of uh, 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 embrace sadness. It's not as bad as you think. It's integral to growing up and that kind of thing and learning your lessons. It's 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 a real shame. I wish I liked the movie more than I did, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. I guess I just don't find the movie funny or or entertaining <laughs> in the slightest. How about and Bing I, Bong? Yeah, everyone loves Bing Bong. I can't stand the guy. Oh, and the I, Bing Bong death scene. I find I find the 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 movie pain, painfully formulaic, and 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 I can see around every corner. It's not even that visually inventive, if I'm being totally honest. Oh, I disagree. And, and that was the well. That was the problem. I was like, and I've said this to you before. I'm like, well, it's a, it's a slightly, <laughs> absolutely what? no sarcasm right now. Uh, it's an absolutely uh, a lesser version than Osmosis Jones. Oh fuck okay. off, bro! <laughs> Get out of here. You know, I gave you Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and now you're telling me Osmosis Jones is better than Inside Out. Thank God you're in Harwinton right now, dude. <laughs> Thank God you're not across the table from me. Please. <laughs> I love saying that. It's not. It's Please. Not. <laughs> Osmosis Jones is not better. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> I just think that's funny. Uh, yeah. No, I, I I don't know. I just felt like the movie f- fell very flat for me. I don't know. I don't really know why. But again, I can't stand. I can't stand Amy Poehler in the movie. I hate her m- so much. And the only one I actually like is Sadness. And that's yeah. it. I She's don't- great, though. Yeah, but that's the only character. I don't like the kid. I don't really care for the parents. I think the whenever they focus on the humans, it's very boring. It's it doesn't do much for me. Yeah. It's just like whatever. And in the realm of Pixar movies, I don't know. I I I enjoyed Finding Dory more. Wow. And yeah, I enjoyed Did you enjoy Tol- Incredibles 2 more? Yeah. Oh yeah. I enjoyed uh what else did I enjoy more? Maybe even Coco more. I enjoyed um I love Coco. Yeah, Coco's really good. But I also, yeah, of course I like Toy Story 3 a lot more. A lot more. So yeah, there's that. What was your choice? My choice was uh, maybe a little different. I don't know if this is controversial, but it's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Nothing controversial about this whatsoever. Okay, good. Yeah, I think it's uh, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> what is What else is there to say about this film? It's, a, it's another movie about growing up and learning your responsibilities, as most Spider-Man movies are. But this one just like blows it up like like a pinata and it's confetti everywhere and it's somehow comprehensible and it's one of the most uh unique visual styles out of any animated film I've seen in the past 10 years and I can't wait for another movie like this and I I sort of cast it aside when I saw the trailers cuz I wasn't digging it quite yet and um I I didn't realize that we needed a Spider-Man movie like this cuz it's maybe the third best Spider-Man film I think yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah. Um, one of those experiences where you go in the theater and you're like, oh, I haven't seen anything like this before yes. ever. Yes. Uh, I imagine that's what it was like in 1995 when Toy Story was released in theaters. Yeah. And that's um, what I want. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was possible uh, mm-hmm. to, to do something this visually inventive um, mm-hmm. in a franchise picture. And uh-huh. that's what this is. Uh, I hope more animated movies look like this. <laughs> one of the things I appreciated it for, though, was how it took the comic book aspect of its story seriously. Oh, it dove head first into that though. You it's know, a com- it's a comic book movie, but yes, it does take it quite seriously. 
Yeah. I mean, I love Logan as much as the next guy, and I love The Dark Knight, and uh, I don't love the other DC movies as much, um, but... Yep. Obviously. You know, so much of uh, modern superhero culture is uh, is dark and gritty and an attempt to bring the colorful pages of a comic book to the darkly lit streets of Gotham. Mm-hmm. And this movie just says, you know what? We're making a comic book movie. Let's make it look like a comic book. Exactly. Let's, let's put visual text on screen. Let's uh, include that weird coloring pattern. Uh, let's make the characters do outrageous things and let's defy the laws of physics time and time again. Mm-hmm. I love Pixar. I love um, some of the other Disney stuff. Uh, Zootopia is a great movie that came out this mm-hmm. decade as well, but they feel too grounded. Yep. This movie is pure animation. You can only do this in animation. Um, and I think it's a totally legit choice. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Very good. Okay, good. Yep, I, I agree with pretty much everything you just said. And I think the, the 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 big thing really is like, I've never seen anything like this before. I think that's the thing that pushed me over the edge where it's like, even with Inside Out, it's like, it feels familiar to me. Uh, and then Spider-Man, again, just blows me away. It, it, it goes, it, again, a lot of my favorite picks, are, I, I guess my picks in general, uh, a lot of the deciding factors are whether or not it transcends its category. It just goes beyond that. I'm just like, this film is just incredible, you know? Mm-hmm. When I can almost sep- oddly, if I can separate it from the animated quality or the comedy quality and whatnot, you know. So yeah, that that's it. One more shout out to the Lego Movie, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Which again, uh, Spider Man owes a lot to. Yeah. When you and think that about twist. It. Oh, yep. could be one of my favorite movie twists of the decade. <laughs> I I do. Yeah, I can't sell that one short. That's a great film. So good. Mm-hmm. All right, horror film of the decade. Hell yeah. This is an Adam category right here. Yeah, it is. Uh, go ahead. What was your choice? I think there's a clear winner here huh. when, you think, when you think about it. Uh, and my answer is The Babadook. Wow! Mm-hmm. What? I didn't see that coming. Yep. Babadook, talk to me about it. I, okay, so when this movie came out, I remember there was like a, like an incredible low for horror films. I remember thinking like, okay, like conjuring was good, but it's still carrying on a lot of bad habits that the, the, the genre is known for. And even though it's a well-crafted version of those cliches, it's still those cliches and it's not as interesting as it could have been or as investing as it could have been, but it's a fine ride, but I didn't exactly see it like elevating the genre more than it could have been. And then all of a sudden this movie comes out and sneaks up on everybody. And I just remember like people talking about it and people telling me that I should see it. And uh, very oddly, cause it's an Australian film, but for some reason people are like, yo, like it's a horror movie and it's good. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, Okay. And uh, it's one of those experiences where I saw it and I just like knew something was coming and I could feel the wave happening. And it's to me, at least, it's really the film that lays the groundwork for what is to come, because after this, you kind of get the It Follows films and then you get The Witch, which basically like just gun it into the future, essentially. And I see like a horror films are like alive again. Yeah. And and I almost feel like the Babadook set the precedent for that, not just because of the fact that it's. Like like just a well made film with like some ac- actually good writing and fantastic direction and cinematography and all that other good stuff. Uh, it's just like a freaky scary movie as well. <laughs> it doesn't forget about those things, which is some sometimes what a, a lot of contemporary well 
older horror films would do is that they would be like these, you know, slasher action extravaganzas and they wouldn't really be scary. And this one decided we're going to discuss very human themes here and we're going to use our characters properly to illustrate those themes and have the audience not just be, like like be scared because they relate to it so much because it's so human. And this is a movie that I've revisited many times. And I, again, another one where I pick up a lot when I go back to it. And I just I, I, I love it. And I think it's very important. Yeah, uh, too scary for me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Um, I mean, which I guess is a win. It's been a tremendous decade for horror. Um, Mm -hmm. This is a bit of a renaissance, uh, the last 10 years for the genre. You know, the 2000s had a lot of bullshit. Yes. A lot of Grindhouse, Eli Roth, exploitative. The Saw movies were really big in the 2000s. And I think people were concerned about the genre, but I think we've talked about this in the past. The right filmmakers came up at the right time mm-hmm. for this renaissance to happen. Exactly. All those guys that were around in the 80s watching the John Carpenter movies, uh, you know, watching the Alien movies came of age and got a blank check to make their shit. Yeah. And now we have incredibly thoughtful um well-directed well-crafted many times well-acted horror movies and Mm -hmm. we just didn't have that for 10 to 15 years in hollywood nope um i think that's a fine choice for sure um you said it follows that was definitely in the mix for me really smart social commentary and also super fun oh yeah 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 Um, well that's the the one thing that i i was i'd consider with that one because it was just such a joy uh and um I guess I considered hereditary that feels like it, it needs a little more time, but that almost feels like the peak of what this decade was going for with its horror films. Yeah. So. Um, I'm assuming you're not going to let me choose get out. It's more of a thriller, right? Mm, it's not, it wouldn't be the worst pick. I it's, it's not what I I'd go with based off of my definition, but it's, I mean, if you want to make that one, nah, I, I, I won't do it. I won't do it. Um, the other one I had was Don't Breathe. Okay. okay. Stephen Lang. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Uh, Fede Alvarez directs blind guy in a house hunting down some kids. Is that where really you're going fun. with? No, I'm not going with that. I'm going with A Quiet Place, of course. Yep, I know. A Quiet Place. <laughs> Look, it's a PG-13 movie starring John Krasinski, Emily Blunt, and two kids. Perhaps this is too mainstream for me. Perhaps I'm not a real horror fan. And that's true. I'm not a real horror fan. Uh, I can't deal with uh, some of the more gory uh, uh, anxiety inducing stuff. So I'm just going to go with A Quiet Place, which absolutely moved me last year. It was one of my favorite movies of last year. Mm -hmm. Such a great story, uh, not just on a horror level, but also about parents and children and what it means to be a parent and what it means to not give up and lose faith Mm -hmm. in a world that uh, seems hopeless so thrilling so yep. well directed i can't wait for the sequel uh john krasinski just put his stamp on the material in an incredible way um i've talked about it a lot oh, a yeah. quiet place for me is is closest to my heart in terms of horror movies because there are not many horror movies over there yeah as soon as you were going down the list i was like oh i know what he's gonna pick i know <laughs> yeah i knew it was gonna be that yeah okay uh, okay okay Good, but well, that was your category anyway. Good choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mine was the correct answer. By the way, nah, I don't know mm. who the hell knows. Uh, franchise 
film of the decade. Yep. And this is another one where I'm like, I don't fucking know. It's it comes down to like what was my favorite franchise film. Yeah. I, I had I, you exclude one movie in particular because I don't really consider that a franchise film. And I hope you listened. Well, no, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't at all, actually. Oh, no. Because you forgot about one more. Okay. What did you choose? I split the vote between the Avengers for representation purposes. And then I, then I uh, followed up with uh, what just was the best film for me that existed in a franchise. And it was, of course, Blade Runner 2049. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Talk about it. Avengers, you know, I mean, it's... It, basically it broke the way i mean it was the way that started it all i mean there were movies before but that's really the movie that said okay this is a universe now we're going to make a thousand more movies like this and it's essentially going to define the decade in terms of franchise films if 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 you don't consider that the franchise film of the decade you're a fucking idiot um <laughs> uh wait however, there's one other franchise film though what star wars that, no that that i imagine will be coming up later on in the program oh yeah but I again, I really don't consider that a franchise film. I consider that more of its own artistic statement. We'll get there. Okay. Uh, but even Blade Runner, uh, to a certain extent, is very much its own artistic statement. Where I've revisited this film countless times now, uh, and uh, again, I, I I love everything that this film says. Uh, I love how it expands on that world and that first movie. And uh, in a lot of ways, I mean, th- what, what's so amazing about this movie to me is that it's. Uh, um jesus christ like like in the realm of like franchise films it it it's like an auteur piece which is really sure. weird it's sure an incre- it incredibly big auteur piece that has so much confidence that a lot of these films don't and it could have very easily have played it safe and and reveled in that first movie too much but it chooses not to and it very much tells its own story it takes like one element from that first film and says okay we're going to make an entire movie based off of that one thing and the movie just builds and builds and builds and puts so much humanity and color and joy but also so many interesting themes and some wonderful characters that go through this incredible journey that's very much defined by their actions and i love that and again as as when we talk about franchise films, a lot of them feel like they, they need to be a part of this greater whole, like, like the Avengers film does, but this movie just works as its own film. Mm -hmm. And, and it's incredible that when this movie came out, people were like, you know what? Yeah, it's better than that first movie. And I happen to agree with them. So you think it's better than the first movie? Yeah. It's not Mm -hmm. greater than the, now here's, there's a difference between saying it's, it's greater though, because technically (laughs) it's not greater. It doesn't have the impact. It's I, I have seen a, a significant cult following come out of this one, which wasn't a surprise. But um, uh, yeah, in terms of just the, the filmmaking and the quality and everything on display, uh, I, I said it when we were ranking. I think this movie is just a marvel. I think I think it's incredible. Yeah, uh, it didn't do well at the box office uh, in 2017. It was projected to do a lot better than it actually did. Uh, the budget was sky high. Denis Villeneuve directs, uh, who has just had an incredible decade. We may be talking about him in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a little fat, uh, and I would trim maybe 20 minutes to a half hour off of it. But as a cinematic vision and as a work of cinematography and storytelling, yeah, it's a great movie uh, and it made my top 100 it's not as highly ranked as you would have it um no. but i but i could not deny the craft here mm-hmm. really strong movie uh yes. blade runner is not necessarily my jam but this movie sucked me in for sure uh, and that's a fine choice i'm totally okay with that mm-hmm. uh i'm going skyfall though 
<laughs> okay. I'm going Skyfall. Interesting. The Bond franchise has been very hit or miss, especially uh, the last one, Spectre. Okay. Not great. Uh, but 2012 Skyfall is, I think, the best Bond movie of all time. It's not my favorite. I don't think it's better than Casino Royale. Yeah, I know you don't put it there. There, however, is a personal aspect to this movie that I don't think uh, Casino Royale has or any other James Bond movie has. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe that makes it antithetical to the Bond franchise, but learning about this guy's backstory and going back to his home turf and turning the movie into uh, essentially Home Alone with Daniel Craig and Judi Dench taking on the bad guys yeah. really worked for me. Uh, I enjoyed learning more about this guy's backstory. Um, and it did seem to elevate above the standard dark, gritty reboot mm-hmm. that we saw time and time again from like 2006 to 2016. You know, this one stood out. Um incredible action set pieces sam mendes directs the shit out of this javier bardem is an underrated villain uh we don't talk yeah. about in the, him in this movie just because i guess i don't know he's so great in no country for old men and uh mads mickelson is so good in casino royale this guy gets overlooked he's really good as this like ambiguously gay uh <laughs> you know blonde haired madman that owns his own island Mm-hmm. And has no motivation other than to torture James Bond, it feels like. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's a ton of fun. And I remember seeing it in the theater. It's one of those movies I remember the first time I saw it. A, a wild ride. Um, again, the Bond franchise. Who knows where it's going from here. But this was a high point for me. That's not a bad choice. Not a bad one. And you know I wanted to include John Wick in this category. Uh, <laughs> but I like Skyfall just a little better. Yeah, no, John Wick ain't even half as good as Skyfall or 2049. Can we just, just, just award the, the John Wick Award for Best in Wick? Uh, Let's give it its own category, shall we? The the Best in Wick? I mean, <laughs> the best, like, surprise franchise, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think so. If if I were to do, like, like surprise franchises, that would certainly be my pick. Yeah. 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 But if you want, like, yeah, like I said, which I think Skyfall's not a bad answer, though. Yeah. But yeah, if yep. I if like well, I said, if you. I had to if I had to pick best film that's technically part of a franchise that came out in the two thousands, I yeah, for me it's far and away twenty forty nine. But Skyfall's a good one. All right, best shot film of the decade, awarding the best in cinematography. My choice, I think, is going to surprise you, but you can go first. Mine is again twenty forty nine. Oh, well, fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> which I've, I've discussed many times. I and it's it's a simple it's a simple explanation. It's just because Roger Deakins shot it and it's his first Oscar winning film. And for good reason, because uh, I think it's his best work to date, un- unless uh, 1917 uh, uh, takes that again, which it probably will. Probably seems yeah. like it. Yeah. But but again, like the, the way Deakins is using lighting in that film, the way he uses color to to describe certain characters in specific scenes, his use of yellows versus whites is incredible. Uh, I love his use of blues as well. And then the temptation scenes with Ryan Gosling in the pink. And that's that's just color. But then just the the the, the way he chooses to compose his shots, which are just make the scenes tense and atmospheric. And uh, the, the practicality to it is incredible. How you would look at like the scene where he goes to Las Vegas and think it's all CGI'd and color corrected when nope, it's not. Yeah, the shot of him walking through that orange desert is uh, something I will never forget. 
It's beautiful. It's my background on my computer still. Oh, is it really? <laughs> I love that shot. Yeah, probably the most iconic shot in the film. Uh, yeah. And every, every, there's not like a single mistake in terms of the way it's shot. And it's and it, again, some of the best shot films are the ones where every single shot matters. And mm-hmm. it's a film that that is edited to to illustrate that point where it's deliberately paced and takes its time and it holds on these moments for a long time. But Again, just just the visual storytelling is unlike anything else, and a lot of that is attributed to uh, Roger Deakins' uh, uh, abilities on that film, and it's 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 perfect. I'm going to shock you with my answer. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm going Drive. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. I'm shouting out old Nicholas Winding Refn. <laughs> okay, against my better instincts, but I'm going to shout him out here. Uh, you shot that one, Thomas Newton Siegel. Is that is that right? Okay, Look I should that. really have that in front of me. I don't have that. I want to check. Uh, God, am I wrong? I think it was Newton somewhere. Thomas Siegel. Newton. Ah, uh, New- very good. Uh, really has not done much since then. He did Bohemian Rhapsody. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not a Nicholas Winding Refn guy. We've talked about this. Uh, nope. I find his brand of glossy nihilism <laughs> to be, uh, you know, unfulfilling. I think the guy puts style over substance a little too much. I think he's way up his own ass. (laughs) That's certainly true. Uh, And uh, his films frustrate me, and I care to never watch them again. But (laughs) I saw Drive, and it blew me away when I saw it. I think I saw it when it came out in 2011. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is one of the defining movies of the decade for me, and I can't really tell you why. It could be the cast. It could be the screenplay. Which, by the way, Refn did not write. It's one of the few Refn movies that he did not write himself. And um, yep. perhaps it's just that it was the first Refn movie I saw. So, like, I wasn't tired of him. But uh, this movie just looks like a million fucking bucks. Yeah, it does. It's so sleek. Yeah, it is. And the color palette is so interesting. Um, it's a. It's just a a badass movie. It's just a badass movie that when you're 16 years old as I was in 2011 trying to catch up on the latest Hollywood releases and you just see Ryan Gosling in a stunt car driving through LA music blaring Brian Cranston slitting his wrist spoiler alert like hell yeah this movie's so cool I love yeah uh you know my feelings on drive it's one of the like the five most important films of my life yeah film that made me want to make movies I adore it it's but it's like it it will, there will never be a list where it's not at least in my top 10, probably in my top five. I love this film so, so much. And a lot of that is actually due to the cinematography at hand. Cause yes, it's an incredible LA film. Yeah. If you, if you want to, I don't know, not so much with like the culture of LA, but the vibe yes. more than anything. And this movie is just, it just gets it to, to, to such a, like, it's like, it's so palpable. It's like I, I it, in terms of like transporting you to a setting, this movie is is it's just so effective in that. And I there are a few films that came out in this decade that did it like so viscerally. Mm-hmm. It is just it's so intense. And you're so right about the the use of color, which is so different. But again, kind of unique to Ref. And he sort of borrowed a little bit more of that with the Neon Demon. Uh, yeah. Well, the problem with Neon Demon, I haven't seen Neon Demon yet. <laughs> but the problem with Only God Forgives, I can say, is that he just like oversaturates with color gels. <laughs> yeah and, and he just he overlights his movies is the problem we get it like he's he's descending into hell you don't have to make everything on screen bright red <laughs> you know we can we can 
dull down the colors a little bit and enhance the realism. Uh, this movie is a good balance, though. It's a colorful movie for sure, but it's not just like stupid music video color filters. You know what I'm saying? No. No, I agree. It's it's beautiful but ugly at the same time in a weird way, at least yeah. when it needs to be, especially in like the beach scene, which is just incredible. Yeah. yeah. This is a very def- – like it's funny you said that it's a defining film of the decade because I've always thought that. There's something about it that – it just feels like like the 2010s pulp fiction in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it really like people like everybody like everyone I know who's into film is like fuck dr- like drive fuck yeah. It's right. like that it's like that cult movie that's almost become more of a cult movie and that like, I I see people rip it off all the time with the music and the look and even some of the story beats and I I I don't know what it is about it but yeah it's it's it certainly feels like like a revitalization. I remember just seeing it and just feeling like adrenaline just just pumped through my veins for like the love of cinema. I, yeah. I literally stepped away from it the first time I saw it and, and said, that's the best movie I've ever seen because <laughs> I loved it so much. Yeah, and, when you're a young man, I think that's the feeling that you have. It's a, yeah. it's very masculine, this movie. Like it is full of t- testosterone and I'm not sure it would have had the same critical reaction if it came out, say, two years ago as opposed no. to 2011. Um, well, but it did, me. and and it does feel like one of those movies. I actually think my college roommate had this poster in in our dorm. Yeah. Uh, I, it's a perfect dorm room movie. I just showed you because uh, I'm in my room right now, and I have a drive poster on my wall as well. Yeah, and, I, and yes, it's it. I it's like how could I not? Yeah, it really does feel like a a film that is is like a common favorite amongst like contemporary filmmakers or, or up and coming filmmakers of like our age. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there you go. That was your gift. Thanks, dude. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I love Drive. <laughs> Screenplay of the decade. Interesting category here. What'd you go with? Split the vote again. Okay. Uh, there's the obvious one, which is The Social Network. Uh-huh. You know? And the other one, interestingly enough, Manchester by the Sea. We matched! Really? Look at this! Holy Crossover, shit! Crossover, baby! <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! I also went with Manchester by the Sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, movie from 2016, I believe. Yes, stars Casey Affleck, Michelle Williams, Kyle Chandler, Lucas Hedges. Written and directed by Kenneth Lonergan, mm-hmm. who is a playwright first and foremost. He's written some movies. Analyze this uh, among one of his most populars, uh, but also Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. The guy is uh, is great with words, oh, but yeah. he is not necessarily a filmmaker first, and I think that's actually what gives Manchester by the Sea some of its charm. Mm-hmm. Um, I adore this movie. It's in Me my too. top 10, um, and it's very high on that list if you read it on the website. Um, this movie just subverts every expectation from a screenplay level. Yeah. You know? Uh, the way that these conversations play out, uh, the types of conversations that are featured in the screenplay, mm-hmm. it feels like the conversations within the larger conversations, the smaller yeah. moments within the bigger moments, mm-hmm. um, this movie could have come across as schmaltzy and oh, yeah. hallmark um, and needlessly inspirational and needlessly sincere. And it wasn't. Uh, it's raw. It's hilarious. It's heartbreaking. It is the full gamut of human emotions and experience. Yes. Um, and I agree with you. It is uh, by far and away the best screenplay of the year. What do you think about it? Yeah, that's that's all correct. <laughs> it's it's a weird one though because I saw it and I didn't quite know what to think of it. So I, I remember. When I remember we having di- this conversation. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I was getting like incredibly frustrated with like my thoughts on it. And I was like, okay, I guess I just need to watch it again. And then I watched it and then I just like saw the movie for what it was. And I just thought it was so smart and so personal, but again, very, very accurately shows these circumstances with these characters in a way where, again, it's not just tragic as hell. It's also kind of funny at times when it needs to be. And just that back and forth with him and his, uh, his nephew is so perfect. And, yeah. and very, very lived in. Like it could have, might as well have been Casey Affleck's uh, nephew. And L- Lucas Hedges is just awesome in the movie. And his panic attack scene is is incredible. And a lot. Lucas again, Hedges, by the way, who has had one of the great decades of anyone in Hollywood. I, I considered him for another category. I did too, and I didn't put him there. Yeah, my my choice is kind of interesting. I think, but we'll, I we'll mean, get there. Three Billboards, Lady Bird, Manchester, Kill the Messenger, Grand Budapest Hotel. Boy Erased, mid-90s, Ben is back, Honey Boy. This guy's just an indie darling that doesn't make bad choices. It's a miracle. That never happens to. Yeah. Yeah. He was also in uh, one of his first films was Moonrise Kingdom, too. Oh, yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's favorite movie. Yeah. uh, Uh, Great decade for him. And yeah, he is really good in this movie. Absolutely. mm -hmm. And I I, I don't know, man. Like, it's it's just... incredibly emotionally profound in a lot of ways that I didn't expect. And like you said, just like exploring this, this situation very, very intricately. It's almost like kept at a distance. And usually I don't like that, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know. It just kind of works here. It's weird. This is a complicated screenplay. That's kind of hard to pin down, but I, I, I've seen the movie a couple times now and I always kind of walk away from it. Just like, yeah, it's just, it's too satisfying. Yeah. And the huh. dialogue, the dialogue is fantastic. The characters are incredibly well written, and uh, it just gets me. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is, I think, a byproduct of Ken- Kenneth Lonergan coming up in theater. Uh, mm-hmm. He doesn't have movie brain. No, like, he doesn't have those bad impulses that you get after you write a bunch of screenplays for big corporations. You know, yeah. it, when you haven't worked on Disney movies and Marvel movies and Star Wars movies and Jurassic Park movies for 30 years, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you you like open yourself up to subverting expectations. Uh, there is no like big Oscar moment in this movie. And it's kind of ironic that Casey Affleck won the Oscar that year. I think it by, was by far and away the best performance of that year. Oh, yeah. um, but he doesn't have that moment for the Oscar reel. It's very subtle and quiet, and there are certainly explosive moments, but nothing that screams great award-winning monologue. Um, oh, yeah. I thought the relationship between him and Lucas Hedges was so brilliant in that if this were a worse movie, if this were in the hands of a lesser screenwriter, mm-hmm. you could see this going into inspirational bullshit. Yeah. You, know, you could see Casey Affleck attempt... Uh, I won't spoil the third half of the movie, but I'll, or the second half of the movie, rather. I'll just say that there is an opportunity for redemption. There's an opportunity for Casey Affleck to sort of take Lucas Hedges under his wing and uh, and walk out into the sunset as if everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And the movie doesn't lie to you about that. The movie yeah. doesn't take shortcuts. The movie doesn't go for the obvious emotional climax. Mm-hmm. It opts for a shrug. Yep. And it opts for an open-ended ending. Yeah, and that, I appreciate that so much more. Yeah. Oh, I love that too. How it, it, because I, I think like seeing the posters and the trailers for this, I expected it to be much more heartfelt than it is. And that bittersweetness to the ending, which is perfectly appropriate, but it, it's just, it's not any direction that I would have expected uh, on first glance, I guess. And I, yeah, I deeply appreciated that too. 
yeah. It, it, in all honesty, it's the only place that it should have gone. It made the most sense to me. So. Yeah, for sure. This is a great fucking movie. Um, yes. I'm glad we agree. Yeah, me too. We don't need to talk the social network if you don't want. We know it's an incredible screenplay, but whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring it up <laughs> one more time on the list today. Yeah, yeah. Um, but oh, yeah. yeah, of course. Yes, I will. I oh, think. You think so? I haven't made up my mind yet. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell could that be? Most underrated movie. Oh, God. My okay. choice is the social network. No, I'm kidding. Um, what? <laughs> Most underrated? Jesus Christ. Uh, you go first for this one. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to throw you a curveball. This is a movie that no one has seen, uh, but that's why I chose it. It's called In a World. Do you know what In a World is? No. Okay. I don't. That's why I picked it. It's a movie from 2013. It's written and directed by a woman named Lake Bell, who also stars... And it's this charming little independent comedy about a voiceover actress. Mm. Um, And I believe it's based on Lake Bell's real life experience. Her father was a voiceover um, narrator for movie trailers growing up. I'm not sure if he was the movie trailer guy that was like in a world. Actually, it might have been, though. Mm. Holy shit. I think yes. I actually think it is. Yes. Her father was the guy that said in a world in the movie trailers like in the 80s and 90s. Um, so she made a movie about her experience and uh, it's just so charming and fun. And it's one of those movies that uh, I think about a lot, even though it came out seven years ago. I saw it when it first came out, kind of came and went movie that's not talked about at all. Uh, awesome performance by Lake Bell in the lead. Really good work of direction. She's sort of like the forgotten female director of the decade in a decade where a lot of female directors have ascended. Uh, this is a, awesome movie about a woman directed by a woman and written by a woman and cool. uh i wonder if it's streaming anywhere i should have looked this up ahead of time hmm. but in a world dot 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 super fun okay okay i recommend you check that out all right i i boiled it down to uh three films i'm gonna go with one don't worry but uh i considered suspiria from last year okay which is incredibly polarizing, but uh, and I've seen many negative reviews for the film that I don't understand. I have too, and it's very. Str- it's like, man, I don't know. Like I saw the film, I'm like, I it's 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 pretty close to perfect in my eyes. I think it's incredible. Uh, I, maybe not for everyone, sure, but like it's hard to deny just the the technical proficiency on hand and just that vision <laughs> that was given to the movie that's so unique and so different from the original. I, I, I don't know. I think it's in pretty remarkable. I like it more than the original. Hmm. So, so there was that. Uh, and then I also considered under the skin. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which, is, uh, and I guess the only reason I don't want to call this one underrated is that or, or, like, can nominate or rather give this one the award is because, um, I, I don't know. I feel like it, it's, the only people there's only a select few people who have seen it and everyone kind of loves it and it's sort of voiced by that cult. So as it stands now, it's 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 rated as highly as it can be. Yeah, I think in certain critical circles, especially if you look at a lot of these end of decade lists under the skin yeah. comes up a lot. I know. I mean, I think it's a brilliant film. Don't get me wrong, but it, there's something about it that uh, I, I, I feel like it, it's it's found its place in mm-hmm. a weird in a weird sort of way. But there was one film that I came across that I absolutely love that nobody has seen and very, very few people I feel have talked about, especially because it's by one of my favorite directors of 
the 2010s. Mm. And that is a film called Enemy. Oh! Enemy. Okay. Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Most underrated film of the 2010s. Not to say that it doesn't have its champions, but I don't think it has enough champions because this is, you know, one of my favorite Villeneuve films. Mm-hmm. Denis Villeneuve uh, is yeah. the, the name. I call him Dennis. You call him Denis. Denis Villeneuve. You say Villeneuve, too. It's <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. Denis okay. Villeneuve. Yes. Uh, this is a weird and kind of freaky film that uh, explores uh, a doppelganger scenario. Hmm. Uh, the best movie, uh, by the way, to explore a doppelganger scenario. How dare you? Ha ha. How dare you? <laughs> and don't is... make me put us on the end of the year list. <laughs> don't tempt me, bro. It's Am dancing I... outside the top 10. Don't make me move it in. <laughs> Are we getting there? <laughs> I figured. Uh, no, um, this is a fascinating film. It's an really really different but really interesting character study and um it's just an awesome thriller you know Mm. that you never quite know where it's gonna go or where it's gonna end up especially when you see the movie and the ending hits you and you're just left with like what the fuck was that but it's like it's it's that kind of movie that you just sit back and you let it work on you and it works more as like a piece of art and you just let it like you just let its expressions work on you and it's more of a feeling kind of thing and it has a lot to say about masculinity versus femininity and how both sides can be equally as like skeevy if put into the wrong circumstances and sort of the interplay between uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and his other uh, his his other side. I can't even call him the other side because they're different people, but just like those personality types clashing and essentially trying to uh, explore like w- <laughs> which side is more worthwhile in the end. It's it's there's so much to mine from this one that I haven't even scratched the surface with it. It's, it's got a really strange and kind of icky color palette and a lot of spider imagery, which <laughs> yeah, the giant spiders, the thing that's been scaring me off. Have you seen what ob- above the city? Yeah. It's not the worst one. Trust oh, me. Oh no. The, <laughs> one of the scariest endings, one of the scariest final shots. Oh God. It's, it's like it that final shot in the movie is well the, the second I'll say the second to last shot in the movie is one of the freakiest images I've ever seen in my life. And it's it's uh deeply thought provoking and moving and and chilling as hell and I I just I just think it 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 deserves more credit than it sometimes gets. And again, not to say that it doesn't get enough credit, but I just feel like, you know, people haven't talked about it as much as they should. Good choice. Enemy. Yeah. But I'm still not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it until you force me to do it. You no, you might like it, dude. It's a it's a dope fucking movie. Yeah, I imagine I would. I just the fucking spider, bro. It, like I said, the, the spider above the city is not even close to the worst shot of the spider. Like I said, oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Right, maybe maybe I'll stop with 5 minutes to go then. Oh, the oh, opening just... scene. Let's just like what are they doing? <laughs> All right. Good choice. I like where we're going so far. It's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Uh, Scene of the decade. Okay. Want me to just say it? Yeah. So wait, we had a conversation about this before we began Um, because like this is the most open-ended category, I think. This is the one with the most options because every movie has multiple scenes. So there's a trillion different ways you can go with this, but both of us have a feeling that we picked the same scene. 
I I don't know. I I this is the like if I were to bet on it, this is the one I would bet on. Like which one did we overlap on? Okay, honestly, I like because I. I was going through like a lot of different like iconic scenes that stuck with me in my head. And no matter how hard I tried, this one just like popped out of all of them. It's like, I just kept coming back and back and back to this one. Cause I just felt like, yeah, it's the one that I cite the most when it comes okay. to like scenes in films. It's the one that is the most like, like in turn next to the rest of the film. It's like the one you, 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 you think about more than almost any other detail in the film. Okay. What so is it's it? Like, not my tempo. Not my choice. Really? No. Wow. Not my choice. Yeah. Uh, on my short list. No Damn. doubt about that. Not <laughs> my tempo. Yeah. It was my first runner up. Um, right. But I'll be talking about that movie in a second and I didn't want to repeat. Okay. That's the only reason why I didn't do it. But go ahead. Talk about it. Not my tempo. Uh, you want the best short film <laughs> inside of a film? Yeah. That's it. That is it. In uh, fact, tell- wasn't this its own short film before Whiplash came out? Yep. That, yeah. that scene yep it, it's jaw-dropping and it's really really tense and terrifying but every one of us who has been in school has probably been there at some point i'm not sure uh, <laughs> i'm not sure i've been there <laughs> no i've been there uh it's what do you suppose i just threw a chair at your head neiman <laughs> can't say that ever happened to me <laughs> but the the interplay between them is just so fascinating and how he how quickly he one ups him and how con- how much control he has and how like helpless uh Miles Teller is in that scene. It's just it's just like, oh my god, it shakes me whenever I see it. As an exploration of power, I don't think you can do any better than that scene. No. Yeah. Um no. perfectly choreographed perfectly performed Mm -hmm. not just by simmons who uh won the oscar that year but also miles teller who really carries his own in this movie i agree really really i mean he's in every scene of the movie yeah uh jk simmons is a supporting character and i know it's the flashier performance but we should not underestimate how awesome a decade miles teller has had and how awesome that performance is uh yeah uh it's basically a perfect scene i don't know if it's even my favorite scene in the movie really Uh, yeah and again, I'll talk about that in a second. Maybe um, not my favorite scene. It's just that when I think of scenes of this decade, that's the one that kept coming to mind. Yeah. Um, but it's so quotable. Uh-huh. It's so hilarious. It's so thrilling. It's the first time when I was in the theater watching Whiplash, I sat up in my chair and I'm like, oh shit, I'm watching something different here. Yep. Um, yeah, that's, that's about as good a choice as you can have. And again, I would have chosen it had I not wanted to break it up a bit. Okay. Where'd we'll talk about with? Whiplash in a second. Don't worry. All right. Um, I went with uh, a scene from Inside Lewin Davis. Oh, really? And I went okay. with the audition. Ah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, this scene is uh, devastating. Yes. I don't know why I thought of it. Um, I didn't expect to include Inside Lewin Davis in this portion of the list. But the more I kept thinking about it, yeah, this is I think the scene that shook me to my core the most I of any scene I saw it. this year. Really? Yeah. Is that yeah. your favorite scene in Inside Lewin Davis? I don't know. Huh. I don't know. Uh Oscar Isaac plays Lewin Davis. He uh goes to the office of F. Murray Abraham, who is a re- uh, a record producer in Detroit, right? Yes, Chicago. Chicago? I think so, yeah. Okay, so travels to Chicago, performs for this record executive, 
hopes to make his big break. And by the way, the movie has been building to this moment. Yes. An hour of this movie is a road trip, essentially. Oscar Isaac running into kooky characters along the way, trying to fulfill his dream. Um, and he gets there and he performs this beautiful folk song um, with so much emotion and so much heart and so much soul. And you want to just cry. You're like, I am in the presence of musical greatness listening to this performance. And the Coens do this brilliant thing where they slowly zoom in on F. Murray Abraham, who is expressionless in the chair. And it's building to like this, you know, really emotional payoff. And you're just anticipating F. Murray Abraham to be swept away by this guy. And you expect him to sign a contract right there on the spot. And he delivers one of the most devastating quotes I've ever heard in a movie. I don't see a lot of money here. (laughs) And I got to tell you, the heartbreak, but also pure comedy of that moment is unlike anything I've ever seen in a movie before. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Um, Obviously, Inside Lewin Davis, one of the best movies of the decade. Beautifully shot by Bruno Debnall. Um, The Coens, I think, have one of their five or six masterpieces here. Um, It's a movie that the first time I saw it, I didn't love it nearly as much as the third time I saw it. Took a couple rewatches, and now I realize, oh shit, this thing's a fucking masterpiece. Yep. Uh, And that scene is, uh, yeah, that is weirdly the only other scene I thought to give the title to. Wow. Because it's probably yet. That's the I guess thinking about it now, it might be the only other one I would consider. Yeah. That that, that scene's also just so heartbreaking because of how quick it happens. Yeah. It's supposed to be this rising thing, and then the, the the speed at which the guy decides. There's no money in this. It's just so shitty. Like, he didn't even think about it. Mm. He just heard it, and he's like, nope. Two more honorable mentions. Yep. Quaaludes. <laughs> Wolf of yep. Wall Street. Not bad. Leo on the staircase. And it, You know, he's hallucinating. Sees, like, 20 steps in front of him, when in reality, there are only four. Uh, and then when he drives the car home, crashes it, and then gets in the <laughs> fight with Jonah Hill so hilarious one of the funnier scenes that that had come out in this this decade wolf of wall street is so funny man like a kind of an underrated comedy at this point it's hilarious yeah i always i can never tell if you like love the film yeah well first time i saw it i was sort of caught off guard by it Mm -hmm. because it it, it felt like too much but then i realized that it was the point all along Uh, and that scorsese is an absolute genius and that i should never doubt him ever uh and then the other one this is going to sound like out of left field, but uh, the movie Ex Machina. Uh, oh, the dance. The fucking dance scene. <laughs> and I swear to Christ, I wrote about this on the website as well. The hardest laugh I had this decade. Not find, even close. I find it so creepy. <laughs> I laughed so hard. And every time I see it, I just watched it on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, essentially, this movie is about um, a, a, a like crazy eccentric uh, inventor who creates AI. Alicia Vikander plays the robot. Domhnall Gleeson plays this guy that visits the billionaire played by Oscar Isaac, who we just talked about. Um, and Oscar Isaac is like this creepy, pervy inventor of robots. Um, and there's just a scene that involves one of the robots dancing with Oscar <laughs> Isaac. And when he says the line... I'm going to fucking tear up this dance floor <laughs> and gets into the disco number. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Amazing. It's not a bad choice. That would have, that would have really surprised me though. Cause I don't think it's the best scene, but it's, 
it's certainly one of the weird ones i guess yeah so hilarious man i'm telling you it's the funniest scene of the decade i love the scene the, it, maybe <laughs> no i like the scene <laughs> where he's uh talking about the jackson pollock painting i think more than anything in that movie though that's the thing it's a really good movie yeah i wish i found more room for it on the list here it's really good me too all right all right this was good all right uh breakout star of the decade uh this one was kind of easy for me actually hmm. i mean i i thought timothy chalamet for like a second yep and then i then i realized nah it's saoirse ronan oh wow yeah okay yeah i realized like yeah what 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 who's the star that 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 comes to mind when i think of this decade that was just like new and it's like oh my god look at this one and yeah, it was Saoirse Ronan. She came about and she was good in everything that she was in. And especially the latter half of the decade, she's really seemed to identify like that new wave of actors. And uh, yeah, she came from like smaller supporting roles to just the to, to the leading girls now. And she's going to be in uh, Little Women. She was in Lady Bird and she's just fantastic in everything that she's in. And yeah, yeah, that, that in terms of like the iconography of like breakout performances of the decade, that's the only one that like 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 i think earns that title Saoirse Ronan has 3 oscar nominations yeah and that nuts oh yeah brooklyn too right brooklyn she she gets a nomination for in 2016 lady bird in 2018 and atonement that's right in 2007 yeah, 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 yeah. so uh there you go uh yeah i think this is an awesome choice um grand budapest hotel you could have mentioned mm-hmm. on that list could have mentioned hannah a pretty good action movie from earlier in the decade, The Way Back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's awesome and everything. I'm not going to talk about the host. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Muppets. Uh, no. Most Wanted. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah, uh, a really good choice. I'm so excited to see what her and Greta Gerwig are going to do for the next 20 years because it just seems like yeah. they have this chemistry built with one another yeah. that's going to lead to six classics. Mm-hmm. They were made for each other. <laughs> yeah, and it's just such a great feeling when like an actor and a director pair up it's like scorsese and de niro you know it's like nah, we're just nah. gonna have 10 movies like this and we're gonna talk <laughs> about them in our all-time pantheon and it's mm-hmm. great um i love lady bird i love her in that movie uh, that's awesome choice we just watched it last night actually oh good love that movie um i just talked a lot about oscar isaac so i'm not gonna do it anymore <laughs> he was one of my options um because i think inside lewin davis could be the performance of the decade he's so fucking good in that Yes, the is. fact that he wasn't nominated for an Oscar is insane. Criminal. Yeah, I, I've thought about that one too. Where it's like, how could you have, how could you have skipped that one? It's really bad. He's incredible. Yeah. But he also, you know, a most violent year, the Star Wars movies, Ex Machina, as we just talked about, Drive, Triple Frontier. No, oh, goddamn, haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. X Men Apocalypse. Uh, good decade for Oscar Isaac, but I'm going Margot Robbie here. Okay, that's a good one. I'm going Margot Robbie. Uh, first time I saw her, I'm like, this is one of the most beautiful human beings in the world. Um, <laughs> so that was sort of distracting. I'll admit, Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, that first sex scene. Uh, thank you, Marty. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. Fair. But then, you know, second time I saw her, I'm like, oh, this chick can fucking act, man. Yeah, she can. She's the best part of basically every movie she's in. Yeah, I love much. seeing her now. Uh about time really good 2013 fun british rom-com more of a father-son movie but she shows up in that 
Focus is not particularly good, but she's a lot of fun in it. Her and Will Smith, that's just a charisma showcase for both of them. Yep. Uh, the Big Short, mm-hmm. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot shows up in both of those. I, Tanya, she gets an Oscar nomination for. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a forgotten performance. She's really good in I, Tanya. Yeah, probably at this point. I don't see a lot of people talking about that. Uh, we're not talking about Legend of Tarzan. <laughs> we certainly are not talking about Suicide Squad. Um, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You're, uh, you're, you're once upon a time in Hollywood. My once it. upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah uh, she, this girl just has unbelievable charisma and she's a movie star. And mm-hmm. uh, Martin Scorsese has a way of finding people like that, I guess. Um, also, she's like really underrated in Wolf of Wall Street at this point. She's probably the best performance in that movie. Oh, to me, she was the, the standout of the bunch, honestly. Like when yeah. I think it, she, I, I, I do think of her before I think of most things in that movie. Yeah, because it was her. It was really her movie. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, yeah. Good. Good. Good one. Yeah. Let's move on. Okay. You want to do performance of the decade? What else do we have? Uh, we have that. We have actor, actress, director, and film. So let's just yeah, let's do performance right now. Okay. Uh, I this is one where I I I felt necessary to split the vote. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I did a very strange thing here because I don't think. And either of my picks <laughs> are technically the best. Do you have a male and a female? Yes, I do. Okay, so I'll I'll split mine same way then. Uh, so let's go male first then. How about that? Well, so this was an unconventional one. I was going through it, and I I just again this this just came down to which performances moved me the most. But I also wanted to th- think, okay, have it. Have it be something that's somewhat representative of our time where it's like the struggles that this character is facing is something that's at least somewhat similar to what we see now and that, you know, a lot of people can connect to and and understand and maybe see a new side of. So taking that into account and which performance I I thought moved me the most, strangely, my uh, performance for male is Mass Mickelson in The Hunt. Wow. Oh, that's a great choice. Mm hmm. Good one. Yep. yep. Yeah, Mads, baby. Hell yeah. I thought about it a lot, and I was like, wow. You know, when I saw that movie, I thought he's one of the great actors we have. And yeah. I, had, I hadn't seen that out of him. And his, I, I, I haven't seen an actor in a while have that much real humanity and sympathy and charisma. But, like, you just feel so bad for the guy every step of the way. And he sells it beautifully. But how he tries to combat it is phenomenal Mm. and really really compelling where he starts at the end of the film and where he ends up is absolutely fascinating the scene in the church is like oh my holy shit because that's what i thought of i was like yeah that's that's the his performance in that is better than probably any movie any actor from any movie i'd seen you know in the past 10 years because again that that's just the moment that really stuck with me the most and, and moved me more than anything and i just i don't know i i I feel confident in saying that too. Again, because the struggles that his character deals with oddly very applicable to our time. So Thomas Vinterberg directs it's a movie yep. from 2012, a Danish movie. Yep. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen, a Danish actor initially. Now he's Hannibal Lecter, and he's the guy from Doctor Strange, and he's Star Wars and everything. Um, but and also uh, Casino Royale, of course. But this is him in his home country. Uh, acting in his native tongue. Yep. Uh, don't be scared off by the fact that it's a foreign movie because it's really affecting. Yes. 
uh, I adore this movie. It did make my top 50. Uh, it is on that list, and I talked about it extensively on the site. Uh, you're 100% right. The guy has this rare gift of being both a movie star and an incredible uh, subtle actor. Yes. He can do both. He has multiple gears. Mm-hmm. And I hope he does more stuff like this. Me too. You know, it feels like now the Hollywood system has sort of swallowed him alive. And I actually kind of find him forgettable in those two franchise movies. Um, he also did a movie called Polar from last year on Netflix, which was terrible. And it's like a John yeah. Wick ripoff. Um mm-hmm. I hope he does more stuff like The Hunt. It's such yeah. a devastating, intimate, awesome yeah. performance. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, one of the best endings of the decade, that movie. Yep. yep. So I had good. That, I had that same thought. I, I don't know. It's just, like you said, deeply, deeply affecting. But it really shows you what he can do. Because like, I hadn't seen that out of him quite, quite as much before that. The closest thing you get to that like strangely to to show off his versatility is actually in Pusher 2 which is a reference oh, wow. film but he is awesome in that movie <laughs> just a total it's essentially uh the godfather if it was told from the perspective of fredo it's really good okay very good i mean obviously not the godfather level crime <laughs> it feels crime. like you're overhyping it a bit that's just it's it's well it's not as good as the, as the it's not as good as the godfather but it's that similar kind of character Dealing yeah. with like his mob dad and trying to live a lifestyle straight and not fuck up, but he, he's he's his own worst enemy. Yeah, it's that I I love that movie and he's fantastic in that one. So okay, that's a that's a great choice. I love that one. Um, I'm going obvious and I'm saying Jesse Eisenberg in the Social Network. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm just gonna do it. I I think the characterization of Mark Zuckerberg defined our era in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of a more important performance than this. I can't think of better casting than this. Yes. You know, Eisenberg has turned into a caricature in many ways. Mm-hmm. He's not great in the Batman movies. Uh, he's certainly not great. Uh, well, I guess he's all right in the Zombieland movies. Um, but he's sort of become a geeky, angsty, spoiled, rotten teenager. That's mm-hmm. sort of his archetype now. Uh, and he certainly plays into those strengths in social network. He plays Mark Zuckerberg as a horrible piece of shit human being. Yeah. But uh, it's the best he's ever been. And mm-hmm. it's the character I think about the most from this decade. And Social Network is probably the most iconic movie of the last 10 years. And that's why it's at the top of everyone's list. So, yeah. How could I go with anything other than Jesse Eisenberg here? Not a bad choice. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just going with like the one that like moved me the most. I don't know. Yeah, sorry to be obvious, but I'll go Eisenberg. What was your female choice? <laughs> now this one is is even stranger in my opinion. <laughs> like like I I was struggling with this one, like like intensely, and I I kept going back to like some obvious ones. Like I don't know, like like I I think of like so, something by like Viola Davis or something by Emma Stone or whatnot, and they're all great and whatnot, and maybe some Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. um, but. <laughs> This is a weird pick. I'm sorry. But uh strangely the one that like was felt the most representative of the time but was also like a I think a fantastic but very underrated performance was uh where is it? Oh, here it is. Uh Elsie Fisher from 8th grade. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yep. This is a bizarre choice. No, I I'm comfortable with it. <laughs> 
explain yourself. I I don't know. Like as, as far as like like what defined the decade, she Elsie Fisher. Oh yeah. come on! I don't know. Yeah, please. It, it, it made the most sense to me. I mean, she's fine in the movie, and it's a charming movie. I really like Eighth Grade. I don't think it made my top one hundred though. Wow, <laughs> that's weird. Elsie Fisher, huh? Yeah, I like her more than the uh, maybe my favorite uh, performance by an actress this year. Yeah, I'm at a loss, man. I I'm so shocked by this. Yeah. So eighth grade, Bo Burnham directs from last year. Um, stars an eighth grader. Uh, I believe Elsie Fisher is like thirteen or fourteen. Yep. Um, and you know she's charming. It's an awesome coming of age story, mm-hmm. and uh, it's something I can certainly relate to having a sister that is around this age and going through some of the similar things that. Elsie Fisher's character is going through I related to it and it got me very emotional and uh, yeah I have no qualms with this movie I'm just kind of perplexed by your choice of the best performance of the decade it just stood out to me is the thing like a lot of these other ones just kind of blend together and even even if they're really good and there's a lot that the actors have to contend with I was just like yeah they all kind of feel the same to me so, and, and this is the one that I felt like it's, to me, it's a underrated performance and, um, like, like did a good job at like representing the, the, the generation. So I was like, yeah, it, it, it feels appropriate to me. <laughs> is it the best performance? I don't know. Probably not. But, uh, <laughs> felt like a good answer. Of all the performances, that's what you go with. All right. No, I, I appreciate the boldness. I do. I appreciate the boldness. <laughs> Why? Who would you say? Um, I went with a performance from 2013 that I saw in a theater and I walked out and I said to myself, this is one of the best female performances I've ever seen in my life. And I knew it that day. And it never happens. Most of the stuff you have to sit with for a while. Um, but I did not come to this realization this week. I came to this realization seven years ago. Kate uh, Blanchett in Blue Jasmine. I haven't seen Blue Jasmine. Okay. Uh, well, do yourself a favor and go see it, please. <laughs> well, there you go. One of the last great Woody Allen films. I guess we're never going to get one of those ever again. So <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time, but I had to enjoy it while it lasted. Uh, it's a pretty good movie. It's a really fun script. Uh, it's it's one of the better late period Woody Allen movies for sure. And it has an awesome supporting cast. Um, Alec Baldwin's really fun in it. I believe Bobby Cannavale's in this movie. I think. Yeah, Bobby Cannavale shows up. Michael Stuhlberg. Uh, but Kate Blanchett is just dominant. Okay. She steals every scene she's in the affectations she does with her face. Uh, the, the portrayal of like a paranoid woman who went through divorce, um, and just everything is going wrong in her life. Uh, it's just, it's incredible. It's just like watching a, a great gymnastic routine and scoring it a perfect 10 out of 10. You know, it's not necessarily the character that I most related to this decade. It's not necessarily the character, um, you know, that uh, I quote the most or that I'm even most in love with on, on a performance level. Just technically speaking, I don't think you can do much better than Kate Blanchett in this movie. And I think she's one of the best actresses working today. Um, and it was an obvious choice. I had to put it on the list. All right. um, but she's no Elsie Fisher. I will give you that. <laughs> no, I disagree. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's what okay. I've been meaning to watch for for like forever now. So. Yeah, really, really good. Um, Andrew Dice Clay's really fun in it too. Okay, yeah, yeah. I love Andrew, Andrew Dice, Dice Clay, Clay in it. It's a great cast. <laughs> really, really good. Blue Jasmine. All right, the big four. Let's get oh. down to the nitty gritty here. Oh my god, we're so, so, we got so many categories. What do we Actor got of the decade. The actor who had the best body of work over the last 10 years. Your choice, Mr. Hall. Hmm. I have no fallback plan, by the way. So if you pick the same one as me, we're stuck. Mm. We, I mean, we might be. This decade? Yes, sir. Yeah, I was bouncing back and forth between Ryan Gosling and then one other. Mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling's a fine answer, but my heart's with Adam Driver. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That was not my choice. Yeah, I I thought about that a lot and I was like, you know, I I don't think he's made a bad decision. He's a he's another great like breakout star. Um he's like I I think his is he's just improved time and time and time again as an actor and shown his his capabilities to such wonderful extent. And I mean, especially after now, I think maybe it's because of Marriage Story too, how we sort of capped off this decade with that performance. And it just Mm -hmm. makes me think like, okay, maybe this is the actor of this decade. Makes you reconsider everything that came before it. Yeah, exactly. So there, it could have just been Marriage Story, honestly, that just pushed me over and then made me look at everything like you just said. So yeah, that might've been it. And like I said, Ryan Gosling, I think is another uh, pretty, pretty great answer with defining like masculinity of 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 this era and just being in some really really wonderful films and again making some pretty solid choices and uh, <laughs> certainly the the uh the male heartthrob of this of, of this generation you know which yeah is, which oh is beautiful fun. man no doubt about it i mean if we were going most beautiful he's definitely the winner um <laughs> i wouldn't say he's the best actor and not to say i don't think not to say i think he's a bad actor because i think he's quite good but um uh it's it's i think it's he fits on a different on a different award. I don't know. Let me read uh, the IMDb page. Let's start from 2011. Here's what we got with Adam Driver. Jay Edgar worked with Clint Eastwood. Francis Ha in 2012 begins the yep. Noah Bombach collaboration. Lincoln, mm. 2012. We forget Spielberg. he's in that. Spielberg. Inside Lewin Davis, 2013. The Coens. That's the first time I saw him. Yep. Uh, and boy, was I blown away by, uh-oh. Ooh. We say that a lot. Outer space. space. Steals that movie. Oh, man. Steals I wish it. I, could, I wish I could do that better. Back with Bombach in 2014 while we're young. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he's in fucking Star Wars and he dominates those movies. Yep. Those movies only work because of Kylo Ren. He's so good. <laughs> uh, Midnight Special in 2016, a Jeff Nichols movie. Another mm-hmm. awesome director. 2016, he works with Jim Jaramouche on Patterson. Yeah, which I haven't seen. Which is a movie that made my top 50. You can read about it on the website. All right. Uh, just a brilliant movie. Okay. That could have been my most underrated of the decade. Right. Like, he's unbelievable in that movie, Adam Driver. Yeah. And it's about a free verse poet. Um, it, it, I would never imagine a movie like that working on me, but it did. He works with Scorsese on Silence in 2016. Mm-hmm. He goes back to Bombach in 2017 with Meyerwood stories. He goes to Soderbergh in 2017 for Logan Lucky. More Star Wars again. Spike Lee with Black Klansman in 2018. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he, he dominates that movie. He's the best part of it. 
he works with uh, your boy Terry Gillum on a movie called The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, which no one really saw. The Report this year, The Dead Don't Die, another Jim Jaramusch movie, and Marriage Story. Uh, you know, you've talked me into it. This is this is unimpeachable. Oh. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't have. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. I'm reading this list. This is an incredible. This is an incredible career. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh my single, god, has he ever like? It's like he's always only worked with great directors. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, we've talked about him a lot um, on this podcast already. But uh, yeah, Marriage Story. <laughs> what a what a performance. No, I'm serious. Like the fact that he he ends with marriage story says a lot about the, his career, like building up to that point, and it makes it all the more poetic and just like like profound to me. And I, yeah, like I I don't know. Like it feels it feels it feels right. <laughs> it feels the most like right to put him in in in, in the spot of the best uh, actor of, of of this decade. You know, I don't yeah, know that 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 list is hard to dispute. I think no yeah, doubt. I think I think it's a correct answer. Um, I'm going with a guy that is perhaps a more traditional leading man mm-hmm. and that he's probably a more attractive man, but yes. I don't think anything about his choices are traditional. And that man's name is Tom Hardy. That was, I, I'd considered Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy and his luscious lips mm-hmm. uh, has just, uh, you know, given interesting performance after interesting performance. Mm-hmm. And like Adam driver, he's worked with some really good filmmakers. He's also worked with a lot of really bad filmmakers. He put out venom, for example, um yeah, made a lot of money that venom so you know look you look at the beginning part of this decade and you see him going hard on the on the mainstream side of things yes inception in 2010 warrior in 2011 tinker taylor soldier spy uh rom-com called this means war about yeah. the spies that fight uh, over the other spy lawless mm-hmm. dark knight rises you know uh and he's good in those movies but I don't think like we would have considered him a candidate for actor of the decade after those choices. But then he goes on this awesome run around 2013, starting with Locke. Yeah, love Locke. Which is such a fun movie. Tom Hardy alone in a car. Yep. Talking to people on speakerphone. And it's incredible. I don't think any other actor could have pulled it off in the way he did. The Drop from 2014 with James Gandolfini. Uh, him and his little dog in that movie are so great. Awesome That's- crime movie. That's an underrated one. Yeah, really underrated. And then, of course, Mad Max Fury Road. Legend, The Revenant, which is not a great movie, but he's the best part of it. Mm-hmm. Dunkirk, best part of that movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he did some awesome TV work as well. I just think there's nobody else in mainstream entertainment quite like Tom Hardy. Sure. Something about his physical presence and his charisma and his look and his way of delivering a line. Ah! Tom Hardy defined the decade for me in many ways. Okay. That's the other side of the coin, I think. Yeah, I yeah. think so. That makes more sense, yeah. That's a good choice. Uh, who is your actress of the decade? Yeah, this one I, I, I had trouble with, too. I, I narrowed it down between Octavia Spencer, which I don't love that choice. Uh, but then I just went with, eh, fuck it, it's Jennifer Lawrence. Why not? Oh! Thanks for doing that for me, buddy. I appreciate it. Did you pick Jennifer Lawrence? <laughs> I did not, but oh, okay. I felt bad about it. So thanks okay. for doing it. Yeah, I, I don't. She's a good representative uh, chunk of this decade, and certainly, in in my opinion, like like the 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 
one of the big beautiful movie stars that came out that was that turned out to be like a phenomenal actress and uh i love a lot of what she's done and she surprised me time and time again and even though i haven't seen her do a lot lately uh yeah like i guess when i think of like the better actresses of this decade she and, and more iconic actors of this decade she's certainly the one that comes to mind i guess my only other one i considered was scarlett johansson but and uh you just stole my thunder and took okay. my pick that is my pick scarlett johansson there you go <laughs> Yeah, uh, let's talk about J-Law though first Um, Yeah, the latter half of this decade has not been great to Jennifer Lawrence No Dark Phoenix, Red Sparrow, Mother, Passengers, X-Men Apocalypse Yeesh Not good That's that's what happened after 2015 Before 2015, this chick was nominated for four fucking Oscars That's right And it's easy to forget Four Oscars is a lot yeah. Uh, and she won one of them for Silver That's Linings right. Playbook. She's great in Joy. Mm-hmm. Joy's yeah, an underrated she... movie. I, I feel like Joy got the short end of the stick it's okay. in 2015. I, I like that movie totally fine. Uh, she's really good in the Hunger Games movies. Yep. Um, you know, although they're not tremendous. American Hustle, I she steals every scene she's in. That's true. Um, and yeah, I think her performance in Silver Linings Playbook is a contender for performance of the decade for me. Yeah. Yes, I agree. She's a revelation. I just sort of wish that she wasn't stuck in franchise limbo. I guess that's it. Yeah, it's just, it's sad because she really is stuck there, and I don't know if she's getting out anytime soon. Yeah. And when she does make a different choice, she goes and does fucking mother, and it's like, come on, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> it's just so weird to me. It's one of the mm-hmm. weirdest things that they kept making those X Men movies with Jennifer Lawrence as like the fifth build lead. I know. It's, yeah, it's really weird. She's so much better than that. I guess the the best she was in like those those X Men movies, I guess, was Days of Future Past. Yeah, because her character was a little more integral. But uh, well, because they that, realized what they had with her. I know. Yeah. When they made First Class, she was just another young up and coming actress. But mm-hmm. by then, she was one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Yep. And to just hide her under blue paint, and <laughs> it's too bad. It is too bad though. But I, like, like she is something special. And like, like you said, Silver Linings Playbook. He's just, she, she's just like remarkable in that. That's one of my favorite performances by an actress. Uh, I also considered Emma Stone and Amy Adams. Uh, I know how what you feel about Amy Adams, so I won't uh, belabor <laughs> that point. But I did go with Scarlett Johansson because I think she achieved the rare feat of balancing big budget popcorn movies with interesting artistic stuff. I agree. And I think she did it perhaps better than anyone. Um, she's really good in the Avengers movies. You know, she's kind really of, good at Black Widow. And I'm, I'm not, sure, really, you don't think she's great? She's fine. She's perfectly serviceable, but she's not the best part of those movies by a mile. Okay. That's fine. Uh, I'm sure Black Widow will be totally entertaining and I will continue to watch her in big screen stuff. She was amazing in Marriage Story, even though Adam Driver sort of stole that movie. But she also did some interesting stuff like Isle of Dogs, which I didn't right. see. Uh, but, you know, Wes Anderson. Hail Caesar. She works right. with the Coen brothers. Uh, Lucy, That's which right. is a fun action movie directed by Luke Besson. She worked with Luke Besson a couple times, I think, this decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chef with John Favreau. Under the Skin, as we talked about earlier. Yep. Her. Yeah. We haven't talked about right. her yet today. Yeah, I forgot about her. Yeah, that's a great one. That could have. That's one of my favorite screenplays. Yeah, really good. Was high on my top 100 list. Uh, Don John. Yeah, I love her in Don John. Super interesting character in that. 
Underrated movie as well. Uh, we won't talk about We Bought a Zoo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> but has uh, it all, man. Beautiful movie star. Can do interesting characters. Can do big action set pieces. She she is the woman that can hold the gun, but also the woman that can be the romantic interest in a rom com. And she can also be a fucking alien that swallows people alive and under the skin. So re- what can't this woman do? Yeah, it's probably the better choice, actually. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> the, 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 I, I, feel, I do feel bad, like, like, like casting aside Jennifer Lawrence. But like, it, it really this latter half has been like that bad to her. It yeah. really has been that rough. And it's in it. It is a shame, but came in I, hot, though, man. Yes. Yeah. Like really hot. And I yeah, I, I have to agree. Yeah, Shooting stars so. can burn out quickly sometimes. Yeah, that's too bad. J Law's got a couple more Oscar performances in her though. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, worry, oh, she'll be fine. Can't, can't. Oh my God, thinking about what it's gonna be like when she's like sixty. <laughs> yeah, but, when she's playing a Queen of England. We shall see. Like every actress of that age. Yeah. All right, two left. Let's go. Director of the decade. This one was easy. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh. I don't know if you conceded on this one, but I look back on the list and it's 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 just obvious to me. It's and I've talked about him already. It's Denis Villeneuve. I did not concede on this one, but I will I certainly I, grant I, this I, choice. Here's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I I looked at his his filmography and let me see if I can pull that back up because I just had it. All right, uh, Denis Villeneuve. First of all, uh, he's never made a bad movie. He's Doesn't never seem like it. Uh, he never made a bad movie in this decade mm-hmm. and the rate at which he was coming out with these movies that are not only good uh, all of them are masterpieces <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far but okay uh, nope they're all masterpieces uh, <laughs> he starts when, and with, in 2010 with Insandi masterpiece Prisoners masterpiece Enemy masterpiece Sicario masterpiece Arrival masterpiece Blade Runner 2049 masterpiece and the easy, rate easy rate at which he was coming out again 2010 2013 prisoners and enemy 2015 with sicario they came out 20- the same year huh yeah 2016 with arrival 2017 with blade just pumped these movies out and i the i have no idea how that's physically possible mm. i have no idea how there is a man alive to produce movies that quickly that are this good yeah uh, it is remarkable. It's a miracle. And of all the directors that came out that, that, that just kind of emerged, I would say that this is the one that like stands out in my opinion. Like he's not like, he's not like one of the old greats necessarily. He's, or, and he's not, you know, he's not like Tarantino or anything like that. He's just like, he really be- became of his own in this decade and proved himself. And then some, I mean, like he, he could stop making movies now and his career would be better than most directors. It's it, it what what he accomplished this decade is is nothing short of remarkable. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the obvious choice and uh, I am in no place to debate it. Um, so congratulations on making the correct call. I, I decided <laughs> to go contrarian. Um, oh, thank you. And we'll talk about it in a second just to break it up because I knew this would be your choice. I wrote about Denny on the website, actually, um, because not only is it remarkable that he put out so many good movies. But it's remarkable the types of movies that he put out. Mm-hmm. It's one thing if Clint Eastwood is making a movie a year, which he does. And yep. those movies are small in scope and they're not particularly ambitious on a and story level or on a direction level. And they're all kind of the same movie. Yeah, certainly. Uh, 
to make something like Arrival within a year or two of Blade Runner and to make that within a year or two of Sicario, he mostly like stays in genre. Like he doesn't make a lot of like straight dramas. I guess Prisoners and Sicario are his most traditional films, but even those aren't particularly traditional. Mm -mm. This guy swings for the fences. And I made the baseball metaphor on the website. This is like a guy with like a 400 on base percentage that never walks. (laughs) You know, he just is constantly going for the home run ball and continues to get on base. Yep. That I don't understand. I understand making a lot of good movies in a short period of time. I don't understand making these types of movies at such a high level in a short period of time. Because it feels like, like, especially when you watch Enemy too, it's just like, this guy can literally do anything. Right. So I, I haven't seen him do a comedy yet, and that's about it. But like, it's really remarkable like how he's able to juggle genres. Like he's he's a master of suspense and sci-fi and an enemy a little bit of horror mm-hmm. and, and 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 but also like some personal drama and and but also talking about like thrillers with like the like like again like a movie about the drug cartel is so much different than a movie about communicating with aliens, you know? And sure. Then, and a movie about communicating with aliens, even though it's science fiction, is so much different than a cyberpunk world in Blade Runner. It's completely different. Yeah. And and then Insandi is just like a, oh my God, it breaks you in half. It's incredible. Like, But again, that movie, completely, completely different. And one of the things I love so much about him is that he makes an interesting variety of films that feel separate and of their own, but also feel like a Villeneuve piece. Yeah, for sure. He's a miracle. (laughs) He just is. Yeah. The guy understands atmosphere. The guy understands world building. And that's why he's been so successful in science fiction. Science fiction is all about world building and all about character and all about mood and atmosphere and tone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are just a thousand shots in Denis Villeneuve movies that stick with you uh, because he understands how to create that ambiance. And, and you I, buy into the world before you have to buy into the story. Exactly. And that's the difference, right? Yeah. Christopher Nolan does a lot of the same stuff. And mm-hmm. he's been very hit or miss this decade, has often swung for the fences and gotten pretty close to a home run. And sometimes he struck out. Yep. But that's the price you pay when you work within genre. Yeah. Somehow, Denis Villeneuve has avoided these pitfalls and he has yet to strike out. Now, I don't know if Dune is going to be that strikeout. That's the, I, 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 I'm so excited. But at the same time, I'm like, Dune is is tough those uh, you know if if he were to make a bomb dune yeah. is the bomb yes uh, i like, could see that not working both like on a financial level and also an artistic yeah. level like You're perhaps talking, yeah. that's a little too big for his britches yeah like a complete and utter like train wreck you know has the potential to be yeah because even though blade runner was not great at the box office it was certainly beloved by critics which is you know didn't really surprise me uh yeah. but i yeah i i because of what dune is and how <laughs> traditionally difficult that source material is i'm like i'm very worried and the only thing that reassures me is that they're going to make two movies apparently so it's okay. like okay maybe he'll be more comfortable handling the material now i just want him to take a break he's got to be exhausted <laughs> i mean jesus christ man like i thought he was <laughs> gonna canadians take... don't settle down it's crazy i thought he was gonna take like a long hiatus after blade runner because i thought that was daunting enough and now he's doing dune it's and like... it was tough on him man like that yeah. didn't do that well at the box office and i'm sure he took a lot of flack for it no i'm sure it's he... hard working in the studio system yeah i know i know it's crazy but he's chugging along yeah. yeah, that's that. That's I think the correct choice. Um, I decided to go the other way though, uh, and I went with a guy that could not be more different than Denis Villeneuve, <laughs> and that's David O. Russell. <laughs> uh, 
And I know, like, yeah, I get it. You film snobs. You hate the choice. Uh, <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. Um, but I am just hung up on this run of The Fighter in 2010, Silver Linings Playbook in 2012, and American Hustle in 2013, all of which I adored. I am the only man in America that still defends American Hustle. And I don't know why. I don't know where all you all have gone. Uh, my American Hustle hive. But I'm still here. And I'm warming the seat up for you. You know why they stopped defending it. Why? Because Louis C.K.'s in it. Oh, good fucking point. He's great in it, though. <laughs> That's the problem. He's really fucking good. <laughs> He's really good. Like, I get it. It's just Scorsese, Scorsese karaoke. It's good fellas, but not good fellas. And... Yes, his movies are a bit watered down. They are made for a uh, a mainstream audience, and that's why they do well at the Oscars all the time. Uh, this is just a guy that really speaks to me, though, as a comedic filmmaker, but also a dramatic filmmaker. I can't deny that these three movies were all in my top 100, and I think that is the highest count of any director on the list. I could be wrong about that. Um, and Joy is not that bad. And it kind of sucks that Joy came out in 2015 and seemed to derail his career for a while because it got such terrible reviews and it bombed at the box office and he hasn't made a movie in five years. And that really bothers me because I want David O. Russell back in my life. It's a shit. Yeah, because I, I don't love Joy, but it's not that bad. Yeah. You know, it's it's fine. Uh, I, I His run is nice. I, I think uh, I, I love The Fighter and I love um, Silver Linings Playbook, but I've never been in love with American Hustle. Not that I feel like like you're weird for saying it's amazing. It's just I don't know. It's just one of those movies that didn't quite speak to me for for whatever reason, and I could never figure out why that was. Yeah, it's my type of movie. It's just like a direct, uh, an actor showcase, uh, mm-hmm. fun script, old crime movie, period piece. Jeremy Renner is so good in it. Yes, it's the best Jeremy Renner performance. Not that that's saying much, but he's great. Uh, J-Law, Amy Adams, I think, steals the movie. You disagree, I know. And Christian Bale is great. And Cooper is great. And so, yeah, American Hustle. Stop being so cynical about it, people. And, of course, Silver Linings Playbook is in my top five of the year. I love that. Yeah, I do. Or of the decade, rather. I do love that movie quite a bit. But, yeah, Yeah. that's a... I don't know. It's not David O. Russell. (laughs) (laughs) Look, man, I am a degenerate gambler... I wrote about this on the website that enjoys making fun of Philly fans and that wishes he married Jennifer Lawrence. So Silver Linings Playbook was meant for me. All right. So he, he, he came into your life at like the perfect time, I think. Yes. Yes. I think that's what it is. Call it a guilty pleasure. I don't care. Not the worst uh, my, uh, my honorable mentions, by the way, Damien Chazelle uh, felt a little too obvious. And uh, I wonder if you thought about him. Yorgos Lanthimos. Didn't really consider him, but that's not a bad answer. Yeah. Interesting, weird, provocative decade for him. Doesn't... Uh, it, it, honestly, not as remarkable to me, again, as Villeneuve. And there's something, again, just so like otherworldly that Villeneuve accomplished with, with his run in, in the 2010s. That's I, I think it's going to go down as one of the greatest runs for a director. I think you're right. Yeah. All right. Final category. Mm. Um, film of the decade. Yeah, this is a stupid one. I mean, yes, it is. Like, you know, <laughs> I hate this one. This is the worst one by a mile. This is just really fucking stupid. Yeah. It's like, what the hell do we know? 
Yeah, it doesn't mean anything, right? This is just a matter of personal taste. And I'll go first and I'll cue you up because I think I know what you're going to talk about. We haven't really talked about it much this podcast. Um, And I will say that uh, Whiplash was uh, one of the transformative movie-going experiences of my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a perfect Uh, movie. Yeah, it's it's just perfect. Damien Chazelle... uh, a master of direction and uh i can't wait to see whatever he does next um la la land is awesome another movie yep. that people have sort of turned their back on unfairly yeah and first man by the way is not that bad I-, I think that movie's kind of misunderstood okay and he deserves more credit for that one uh we talked about jk simmons we talked about miles teller i will just say i think my favorite scene of the movie is that climax i think that the the final scene uh playing the song at the jazz recital the emotional dynamic underneath the surface the flexes that these men attempt on one another the displays of power and yep. all the shit that these two men go through in a basically dialogue free scene mm-hmm. is stunning it's fucking stunning and that's filmmaking right there you don't get better than that type of filmmaking where a movie can just end on the highest of high notes can end on literally the highest of high notes, the the biggest emotional climax of all climaxes. And for Damien Chazelle to have the confidence to cut to black right there yeah. and to end the story exactly where it needed to end in the perfect way. Uh, it's uh it's it's amazing and i wrote about it a lot on the site it's my number one movie of the decade and it's not even close for me uh so oh. there whiplash <laughs> interesting yeah because i feel i feel similarly about my my film yeah where it's like i don't th- i don't even think it's worth conversation <laughs> yeah <laughs> where it's like uh and i i've talked about this film a lot there have been many films that have come along in my life that you know i i go back and forth on are my favorites uh i always uh, fall back on alien and that's probably correct and, you know, at a certain point in my life, it would have been Drive. But in this decade, it is far and away. Mad Ant-Man Mad. and the Wasp. <laughs> yes, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Thank you for cutting me off there, you whore. <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, okay. Is the best movie of the decade by far. Um, for, for a lot of reasons that are important to me. Uh, I think this movie came out... <sighs> It's sort of a depressing time. It sort of feels like uh, when I was experiencing films in this decade, it sort of felt like the last movie to embrace everything that cinema was and at the same time work with mass appeal. I was shocked when the movie was embraced by the mainstream the way that it was. Oh, yeah. Fucking memed the way that it was. Oh, yeah. And embraced by the Academy Awards and, Mm -hmm. and by just critically everybody won six oscars that year nuts absolutely nuts it's but the the film is something special in that um i i I sometimes watch it now and and feel bad because i it's hard for me to imagine movies just embracing what they're all about to this degree again because it's such a cinematic experience in the purest form and so reliant on the form in ways that no other film in this decade has even come close to. And it's, it's been talked about time and time again. I'm not the first person to say this, but the, the level of visual storytelling is pretty genius. As far as I'm concerned, uh, the, the intricacy to 
character development just through their actions is unlike anything that came out in these 10 years. Um, I think the story is very simple, but that's kind of what makes it brilliant, in my opinion, as to what they're able to pack onto it and add to it and and, and develop. And I think the themes of uh, actually facing your problems head on instead of running away from them is, again, not novel, but just beautifully expressed here. It's also a movie uh, that, at the same time, is very modern but very old fashioned. Uh, <laughs> I, I I find I find the it 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 operates perfectly as a silent film, and mm-hmm. at the at the same time is a tour de force with music and spectacle and special effects. But again, it's it's pulling every trick in the book. It's the kind of movie that implements most like a lot of interesting filmmaking techniques with its practical effects, but also its editing choices. And it's uh, complicated and energetic and aggressive cinematography to uh, just some of the greatest set pieces ever constructed. I think it's the best action film ever made. I think it's uh, I think it but then it I mean, I mean, I'm again, I'm not the, the first person to, to decide with the movie in that way. And I think it's uh, uh, surprisingly affecting that I didn't expect when I first saw it. And I, I, I watched the movie and I was. Uh, completely moved by the the plight of these characters and what they had to go through, and I understood every single person and where they were coming from. And uh, I mean, my God, like I said, I it uh, to to see a film like in, embrace what it is to, that deeply, and to also at the same time transcend just being a great action film. It's just like an incredible film that is uh, put up there with uh, you know some of the greatest films of the 21st century now, which I didn't expect, but I have to agree with. Um, it's like George Miller's best work. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. Yeah, and like <laughs> what? I mean, I it, it's sad because uh, Mad Max Two is so good, but like this again to say that this is better than Mad Max Two feels like blasphemy. But it's I think it's true. Uh, and again, like for, for I, I I don't think this is ever going to happen again. And it's, yeah, it's it's one of those movies that like again like feels like the height of what cinema is capable of. And Christopher Nolan talks about this a lot, where he's like film we haven't even scratched the surface with film and then i see fury road and i'm like i don't know man (laughs) i i i I can't see like the capability like for purely what cinema has always been about i i i don't i don't see it getting any better than that yeah uh there is no top 100 list without mad max fury road on it uh this is by far and away the consensus number one uh which is i think um, well, like you're, it's amazing. Like, ha, like I never, ever, ever, ever would have thought that this would have been like the common number one pick. Yeah, I, I just think like the craft here is undeniable, and I, yes. I think like again, if we're judging it like a gymnastics routine, and we're not yep. judging it as a personal experience, uh, this is the movie that you have to put at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there is room for uh, personal wiggle room and movies that speak to you on on uh, you know on a more soulful level, and that's why Whiplash is my number one. But if I were to just judge a work of cinema mm, in yes. its purest form, yeah, of course. Uh, the acting in this movie is underrated. I agree. Charlize I is awesome in it. Yep. Uh, Nicholas Holt's really good in it. Tom Hardy, I guess, is fine, but he's always, you know, Tom Hardy. Yep. Uh, the direction, as you said, is visionary, and it yep. can only come from one man. It's the type of movie where, like, Nobody else could have made it. George yep. Miller had this in his head and he executed <laughs> it. And uh, that's why we're never going to get it again because it's so singular in vision. 
Uh, the editing is, is the, incredible. Honestly, next to Whiplash, like the, if I'm to talk about the two best edited films of the year, these those are the two that clash for me. How funny! Yeah, how think, funny! The two I, best edited movies are the two. Yeah, I think yep. you're right though. But like, yeah, yeah, no. But that that lends a lot to why the film is so good. And it's so funny you said that about George Miller because, like, again, like a film that is so singularly his. Again, just the perfect storm of everything that makes a movie special like it because it's such an auteur piece but it's like a blockbuster film you know yeah with this massive budget but again like these movies just don't get made and it's it's it sort of pains me because they always should have been getting made but the business model became like too powerful and you just don't get that like you only get like this level of of massive budget films out of like villeneuve and i guess george miller yeah no i mean if you're gonna make it you're gonna make it as a superhero movie and you're gonna use a green screen right yeah yeah, uh, and Mad Max refuses to do that. And you're 100 percent right. It's a miracle that this thing was made in the way that it was. Uh, it's also a miracle that a franchise movie looked like this. I know. Uh, again, I don't really consider it a franchise film, and that's why I didn't want to include it in that category. <laughs> it, it's a franchise film. It I just, mean, it is by technical definition, yes, but I just yeah. think this is so above it's, and beyond what we got in those previous movies. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're uh, absolutely right. It, it doesn't feel like one in a continuing series. So thoughtful. So mm-hmm. much to say about society and social oh, issues, yeah. exactly. but in a very subtle way, uh, Furiosa is an iconic character. Mm-hmm. The imagery of the guy playing an, a, a flamethrowing electric yeah. guitar will <laughs> never leave my brain. It is so creative. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, and it's a movie, like, if you want to, like, dig into the world and pay attention to the little details, you can learn so much. And like you said, about the social themes. I remember someone getting really annoyed at me, uh, at the film for for feeling like the war boys were, like, for like like stupid mm. and i was like but that's the, the point they're supposed to be looking to, to, to this like idyllic figure without really understanding what he's about or understanding that they don't understand the fact that he's completely full of shit and they follow him the way they would like like a like a petty god mm. and they they're willing to kill themselves for essentially nothing but i love i love like the 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 objectification element of it and which is a lot of things that you know we talk about like feminism in the film but i think the film's more egalitarian because hmm. i feel like the war boys are just as bad as the wives in that way they're 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 just things that that morton joe uses to get what he wants right he doesn't really give a shit about them you know just as long as he can get what he wants and that's yeah i it. think that's right yeah i think that's uh, yeah sure nicholas holt's arc is very similar to charlize's arc in that way yeah no but even he, him like he the, the way he behaves and the way he turns on morton joe and the, you know, just like oh my god the little details with with uh uh expressing the fact that they're so objectified the fact that he makes himself out to be an engine and that he tattoos that on him with, with brands and mm. puts staples in him and all this other like <laughs> horrible stuff and they're i also love the their their love for technology mm. and, and how they over rely on that and how it kind of is their detriment and there's a lot of interesting symbolism in the film i remember zach caponegro pointing out to me one time uh that the characters link fingers mm. it's a v8 are, engine yeah to create <laughs> an engine four yeah. letter V's mm-hmm. um, essentially with eight fingers interlocked. And yep. that's a V8 salute to show that in the future cars become like idols of worship. Yeah. Which and again, it's just is like a- that level of detail is incredible to me. I love Yeah, That's the thing. I love that level of detail, but it's oddly very reflective of society. Yeah. I, it, there's, there's, it's, it's a movie where you wouldn't think there would be so much to mind, but it's just, it's just so rich. Yep. And I, I, I hate it when people say it's just a car chase. 
I mean, mm. it is in structure, but certainly not in story, right? That's the thing, though. I always say, like, it has. It, does it have that much like plot? No, but there's a lot of story there, and yeah. there is a difference. A lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, uh, I think uh, that is a, a a great choice, as was mine. Um, yes, and also incredibly obvious. But uh, you know, you know it when you see it. So, exactly. Sometimes you know it when you see it, and sometimes yeah. you and I could be predictable. <laughs> but both those choices say a lot about us. I think they do. I certainly and, and, think they do. And that's what I love about this. Um, and that Adam Hall has been the 2010s. Where are we at? What are we? Two hours in? We are two hours into a podcast today. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, uh, I had a ton of fun today, though. Uh, this was Me a too. great exercise, uh, and I'm glad we did it. And I'm glad that now we can close the book on this decade and move into the 2020s. Which who knows what those are going to look like? The Roaring Twenties. Oh man, <laughs> we're back. Could you? Oh, I was I was saying this to Abby. Like, there are going to be so many flapper girl costumes now, more than there were before. <laughs> It's the twenties. Oh. <laughs> oh, we're here, man. Yep. Oh, life goes on. Chicken away. <laughs> I can't wait. The twenty twenties um will begin in uh, just two weeks. And you and I will be here every step of the way. Yeah. Cataloging film. That's right. As we do so religiously. All right. Not bad. Thank you, Adam Hall. Thank you. That was a ton of fun. Uh, again, please go to the site, tmt.media, too many thoughts, media.com. Read what I wrote. I appreciate it greatly. Uh, more <laughs> end of decade content stuff. Or, yes. Yeah. That's and a year and a year. And yes, sure. End of year stuff is coming on this podcast mm-hmm. next week. We're doing yep. 2019 in review, counting down our top 10 list, <laughs> which I'm so excited for. <laughs> You're going to have such a conniption. I'm so excited. <laughs> I will have done by the time this podcast comes out my cultured decade in review podcast. Mm-hmm. So listen to that. I have another blog post about music and television also on the site. And then why is this a thing? Talking Christmas movies. Christmas is right around the corner. Six days away, as a matter of fact. So, uh, I'm, I'm still mad at what we have to endure. If you're looking for some Holly Jolly content, check out the site. Holly Jolly for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love you all so very, very much. And folks, Until next time. Happy movie hopping? You know, dude, it's the end of the fucking decade. (laughs) Put some more effort into it. And happy movie hopping. No, give me a quote. Happy movie hopping. Oh, fuck off. What a day. What a lovely day. (laughs) 